0: this is winnipeg sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus i hope you had a great weekend everybody welcome to another week and another episode of winnipeg sports talk daily andrew hustler patterson michael remus with you and oh, we got a packed show today. Lots to get to coming out of the weekend and um, some interesting news on the Winnipeg Jets post-draft pre-free agency, including a rather surprising name that didn't get a qualifying offer today. We'll get to all of that in just a few minutes. Um, we will recap the draft uh, with Shane Malloy, one of our favorites to talk uh, about the, uh, the players that were uh, available to NHL teams. And of course, most importantly for Winnipeg Jet fans. Rutrigger McGrory, Brad Lambert, and the other of the Winnipeg Jets selections. Um, also looking forward to getting his take on the first round. and <laughs> what he made is Shane Wright's fall to fourth overall in the Seattle Kraken. So Shane's going to join us in about 20 minutes or so. And then we'll have an extended chat with our good friend Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Pre-Press at the latest on the Winnipeg Jets offseason with him. And of course, discuss... Another big win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Saturday night in B.C. Uh, Listen, it was a great weekend. That was certainly the highlight of it, seeing the Bombers do what they did to British Columbia after the, the hype and the expectations going into that game. And the fact that the Bombers, for the first time in a long time, were underdogs. So... All of that coming up on the program today. I um, do want to thank the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day before we get going, including our friends at Culligan Water, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake, Vita Health Fresh Market, uh, Breezy Bend, of course, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Cool Bet Canada. Let's get Michael Remus in here. Remo? Did you, uh, did you stop by Nick and Nicky DQ for a little vanilla soft serve on uh, Sunday after that beatdown on uh, Saturday night?
1: How could I not? What a performance by the Bombers. And it got started off with a bang. Janarian ground with the kick return. I can be honest, pretty nervous heading in. But how could you not have a nice cone after that win, after uh, sales called the Bombers offense vanilla? And to be honest, you know, I was kind of worried about BC. Their their offense was rolling, you know, dominating. Now they were dominating the Argos and the Elks and the Red Blacks who are among the worst teams in the league. And they hadn't quite played a defense uh, like the Blue Bombers. But yeah, you got to celebrate after that one. What a performance of the Bombers. Showing everyone in the league that they are still number one on whatever imaginary power rankings you want to come up with. And shoving it in the face, Huss. Of Everyone except your guy Pat Steinberg on CFL.ca who picked against the Bombers. So, shout
0: out to Pat! Shout out to Pat! And I have to give uh care lefty Carol on Twitter some props who posted the the picks and had the, the one W and just added R O N G for a nice little wrong slate, um, row for all the prognosticators that decided it was BC t- BC's time and not the blue bombers. I mean, what a performance. as I said, I know we're going to get into some more jets talk and there's some sort of breaking news on the qualifying offers, but kind of hard not to start off with discussing that win right out of the gate Remo. And yeah, <laughs> there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, what a <laughs> that's a little quick social media masterpiece right there by Carol. And um, yeah, only my guy, Pat Steinberg knew, don't count out the champs just yet. And um, I, I have to say about this game, um, you mentioned the start with Janari and Grant. I mean, an absolute dream start with special teams, you know, putting the team up seven right away. I thought the defense balled out. I mean, throughout, there was obviously a couple, you know, mishaps in the secondary. Winston Rose and Nick Taylor getting burned on long touchdowns from Nathan Rourke. What an arm he has in the first half. But overall, I mean, Jackson Jeffco, Willie Jefferson getting to the quarterback, making life miserable for Nathan Rourke. I mean, they did the job. But maybe the best thing overall, Remo, I think, for the game, as well as the you know way things look going forward, was the running game. I tweeted this out after the first quarter. I mean, Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine, they got the job done behind a motivated offensive line. And the Bombers had more rushing yards in the first quarter on Saturday, then they did the entire game against Montreal and or, or Toronto, excuse me, last Monday. And I have to say, I mean, once they were able to do that, um, Zach Caleros put on an absolute clinic, picking apart the British Columbia defense over and over again. Um, you know, some acrobatic throws, a Mahomesian, uh, you know, diving throw, Dalton Schoen stepping up and becoming an incredibly reliable target for Zach Caleros. Um, top to bottom. An incredible performance by the Blue and Gold, but one that I think the tone is really set by the reemergence of the Bomber running game in that first quarter.
1: Yeah, the running game, the defense, the offense. I mean, everything was clicking. They came in on a mission and wanted to show the rest of the league, hey, we're still the defending champs. Watch out for us A Jeff Cody said interception. Rutledge, interception, a forced fumble. To Mario Houston, he was all angry that last week's interception got returned. Or I guess Monday is technically the same week, but it got <laughs> overturned and he made sure he got that grab to seal the game uh, at the end for the Bombers. I mean, the, the Lions, they took out all their starters. They took out Rourke at the end. The game was done.
0: They tapped out.
1: They Yeah, they, yeah, they basically <laughs> they tapped, tapped out. They basically <laughs> tapped out. And yeah, Dalton Schoen, we had heard about him all preseason from Willie J and guys who covered the team. And he stepped up without Ned Dembski. Eight catches, 117 yards. He's become a bit of an end zone target, two uh, two TDs. Ellingson, he's really fit in well. 98 yards, seven seven catches, uh, one touchdown. But Greg McRae filled in for Demsky. He was doing it on the ground and through the air. Um, he three rushes, 27 yards. I mean, uh, Oliver and Augustine also, you know, had did what you said earlier. And then McRae in the receiving game, 32 yards on three catches. So everyone was chipping in. Uh, Mark Leggio, you know, he missed the two when the game was was over,
0: but he made them. That was just to give us something to talk about. Yeah. That's... The uh, kicker watch is back on after a rough half <laughs> for Mark Leggio and the Bombers only winning by, what was it, 21 as opposed to 27 or 28. That yeah. reminds me of last season's storylines. Well, you know, they won by 25, but the kicker did miss two <laughs> field goals. So, uh, <laughs> I, and I want to say this, you know, coming into the week,
1: the Bombers were underdogs, shockingly. Uh, we know now know that was wrong. and it, But I think it was rightfully so. You look at, they played Monday, had a short week, crossed two time zones, you know, from the east <laughs> to the central, back to the west. Um, they had a number of in- injuries. Kyrie Wilson hurt, Dembski hurt. I mean, Alexander's still hurt. Uh, you had injuries in training camp. I don't think you've ever heard any excuses all week from the Bombers. Complaining about what a tough opponent they had, um, t- complaining about the travel schedule, complaining about injuries, complaining short about week. the short week. You didn't hear any of that, and you all—all all you ever hear from Mike O'Shea is confidence. And any player who steps on the field, I mean, Drew Brown comes in week one. Oh yeah, I had total confidence. He was gonna do. He was gonna do that. Of
0: course, he was gonna come off the bench, having never really
1: played, and win the game for us. So full credit here um, to the bombers and the coaching staff. They don't use any excuses. They come out and they just win football games over and over again. It's incredible to watch. And yeah, I had I had kind of doubts about Zach Caleros. You know, maybe they were a bit vanilla the first, you know, couple games of the season. But he was absolutely incredible, Uh, as you said, Patrick Mahomesian. The way he moves in the pocket to find open guys and just puts it where only they can catch it. So, um, you know, 208 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I don't want to say it was a perfect game because we just talked about the three, a couple the two missed field goals at the end when it was over. But, uh, I mean, it was about as close, close as you can get and all fastest of the game from the Bombers.
0: Yeah, it was, um, it, that was an absolute statement game. Um, if anybody thought that the Bombers had sort of loosened their grip as being the uh, team to beat in the Canadian Football League, run the tape back and watch Saturday night's game again. Uh, and you'll realize that it is, uh, it's the bombers. Hey, hey, Ric Flair always used to say to be the man, you got to beat the man. And the bombers are the man and no one's beat them yet. That being said, we do get back to back games of undefeated teams. What a shout out to the CFL schedule maker. I and mean, we have this incredible primetime game on Saturday night. And now Friday here, IG Field, Bombers and Stampeders battling for first place in the West. Um, it is going to be awesome. And, I mean, unfortunately, the Bombers don't play a lot at home over the course of the last the two weeks ago. I think they're only once in about six weeks. So this is the game to be at, folks. Uh, hopefully the weather will be nice. We'll get rocking in that Princess Auto tailgate zone a couple hours before the game and then bring it when uh, the Stamps and Bolivia Mitchell take the field along with the uh, Grey Cup back-to-back champions. Um uh, at 7 30 p.m. I just want to get back to, to what you said about O'Shea Ream. Because I had a couple people that had said, at what point do we start talking about Mike O'Shea amongst the all time greats in blue bomber history? And I said, That's that time has passed. We're already there. I mean, winning the back to back great cups has already put Mike O'Shea in rarefied air amongst the greatest bomber coaches of all time, um, along with Bud Grant and, and Cal Murphy. I don't think there's, you'd have a hard time, you know, pressing that there's anyone else in the conversation, albeit, you know, Mike Riley had a nice run here as well. And Dave Ritchie, um, but what Mike O'Shea had done and, and, and and so much more than winning games, it's the culture that he's established. And, you know, listen, I don't want to go back to a certain former Winnipeg Jets head coach, but to your point, Reem, um, You know, for a long time, it was it seemed as if there was Oh, everything was against the against the home team. And, you know, look at this schedule. We're traveling so much. And it's almost like they were putting forth excuses before the games happened in somewhat of of a self-fulfilling prophecy. That was the one thing I always loved about Barry Trotz (laughs) was the fact that. You know, after the fact of this season, they said, well, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty tough run. But I mean, during that 13-game road trip and not having a building, it wasn't making any excuses. You really can't do that, or else it just gives you reason to let up and not win. And um, the Bombers are quintessential winners right now. Um, and you can say all you want about the 4-0 record. Ah, oh, you know, they could have been better. There were some things that weren't bad. Winners win. And uh, this is all they do. And it brings me back to Zach Caleros. I know they were showing that his record, Remo, was the starter of the Bombers, was 16-2. and It's really 16-1 and because that second loss was a game that he started. And then they pulled all the starters. And, you know, the Bombers had first place clinched basically a month left in the season. So they wanted to get him in a game. But the bottom line is Zach Caleros has lost one meaningful football game since becoming the quarterback of the blue and gold. And uh, it's a treat to watch. It's such an incredible turnaround from those 29 years without championship football here. And I got to tell you, if you didn't think that the Bombers were going to be a real threat to 3 Pete, you're probably rethinking it after seeing what they did to BC on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, they don't lose with uh, Zach Caleros uh, at quarterback. This last stretch, even with the break of the pandemic, I mean, they're still on. They've lost guys. They've replaced them. And I would put them at the top of the league. I think it's gonna be a really tough test on Friday. I was very down on Calgary to start the year, but they seem to have picked it up here with the Bo Levi Mitchell to Malik Henry connection. Now I don't I think the tiers of CFL teams, I think it's the Bombers, then a gap, then I guess the Lions and and the Stamps, and then oh my oh I put Saskatchewan in there too. But then there's a, a big gap. After that. So that, that's my power rankings as we head in. I think this is going to be a, good, a big game. I, I haven't looked at the line. We'll have to talk about it later. Uh, I can bring it up right now. Trust the Bom- me,
0: the Bombers aren't going to be underdogs yeah, again. They're
1: favored by, favored by four.
0: So I hope everyone took advantage of a nice, juicy number on the money line. For an undefeated team that never loses, say thank you very much. We don't need to complain that they're underdogs. We say yeah. thank you, <laughs> and we cash tickets, and we move on to the next date. Yeah, so I, I'm going
1: to be there at IG Field. I looked at the weather. It's supposed to be very nice and sunny. I think it's going to be a beautiful night. So I think that'll be – we've had some great games, a lot of points the last couple of weeks. I think this is going to be another good one here at IG Field
0: yeah get those tickets folks uh cannot wait to get out there on Friday night and we'll see maybe we'll do uh we'll see if we can maybe scrounge up a pair or two and do a little WST giveaway a little later on this year uh one CFL bit before we sort of transition over to the National Hockey League stuff this Garrett Marino um I know a number of people are wanting takes on the uh, uh, uh from uh from me on the uh in the chat this is garbage this is absolute garbage um you know this guy you know to so obviously low-bridge Jeremiah Masoli to take him out low, injure him, and then the reaction afterwards, which was, I think, pissed people off as much. Um, You know, sometimes, you know, you'll have a play that, you know, and guys do get hurt, but to celebrate the way that he did and then to hear the comments of some of the other players after the game, um, the disgust they had, and I'd imagine much of that is felt in the Saskatchewan locker room as well. Now, there's no... There's been no decision yet at this point. Um, You know, we heard the panel unanimously, unanimously come together in their condemnation of Marino. And I really do think, I mean, football, it's a short season. I mean, games, being suspended games is significant. You lose game checks and it's a massive part of the season. But I would like a significant multi-game suspension to this guy um, it's the right thing to do. It sets the right precedent because that is garbage that you don't need in the Canadian Football League from a fan standpoint, but especially as a player. And we know how vital and how precious those careers are. That could end end one. Yeah, I mean, the they hit pretty dirty, lunging at a quarterback's
1: leg like that. I know that it is tough to hit a quarterback. You can't hit him high and you can't hit him low anymore, but I think you can forgive that. You can't forgive the celebrating after taking a guy out for an extended period of time, so you know, so blatantly taking a guy out and then celebrating with the crowd, it's it's not right. You do, you don't do that anymore. Um, you know, we're all we're all people here. We're all playing a game, and you know, when you're ending a guy's, I don't want to say end of season. He's probably going to come back, be able to come back towards the end. But the, the high fiving and you know, going like this to the crowd. It's pretty gross
0: and Bush League. M- it's Ste- absolute yeah. Bush League. What Milt- was that video game? Uh, Mutant Football. Mutant League Football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's Mutant League Football.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, we're well, so about being. You know, we're all competitors, but you don't want to take a guy, literally take a guy's leg out and then and then celebrate it. You you don't do that. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, um, that being said, uh, the power of the Canadian Football League is all in the West right now. We'll talk a little more Bombers with Hamilton when he joins us later on. Um, and then after Jeff's on, a little bit of a preview for the next couple of days with free agency. Um, Wednesday's going to be a busy day. We probably will expand the program and go a little longer with things beginning at 11 a.m. We'll give you full, we'll confirm that tomorrow as far as our planning time. But again, what is a great plan to do for all of you, especially those of you that join us on YouTube, Make sure, A, that you're subscribed to the channel, hit that red button, and turn your notifications on. Because on days like um, certainly last year with the trade deadline or trade deadline with free agency, we'll often do an expanded show and get on the air before our normal 1 o'clock start time. Um, So if you have the notifications on, you'll get a little, uh, little note on your phone saying... The boys are live. Get in there, and uh, we'll be doing that. So I'm looking forward to free agency for sure, Um, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to Shane Malloy about the Jets' draft. Uh, Rutger McGrory, Brad Lambert, the top two picks, as well as the the rest of the Jets' selections. Um, But Remo, before we get into that, when Shane joins us, we should talk on uh, the qualifying offers, and no real surprises on the guys that got them, except one that didn't. And Evgeny Svechnikov, who was not qualified by the Winnipeg Jets, and is going to be a UFA once again.
1: Yeah, this that one was a bit of a spru- surprise to many, Hustler, You know, I thought Sean Reynolds put it nicely, but here's the Jets. You know, they put a qualifying, qualifying offer to retain all these guys' rights. And who they send a qualifying offers to Appleton, Dubois, Kavanke, Gustafson, Harkins, Kovacevic, Malat, and Veselinan. Now Vasilin is he's going to play in you know in Europe, but they extend him the offer so that you can retain. Yeah, his they rights. just keep his rights. You just keep his rights. So they didn't extend when it's You know, he came here, started hot on the line with what Dubois and Connor. Then I got, and then he kind of bounced around the lineup. Um, you know, he took some unsportsmanlike penalties. They mouthed off uh, to the refs. You know, when he was the recipient of bad calls. Um, but I thought, you know, overall he was definitely a productive player, and at what close to min's salary, um, you know, he was. I thought he was definitely a value contract. You know, we had a lot of questions going into the season, but I'm like, why would Detroit let this guy go? And and I'll bring up Rennie's Rennie's tweet. I think it's surprising based on the play, but I think there's something about him, the coaching staff, the coaching staff who's no longer with the team, but maybe it extends to management. Didn't like about him. They wanted to move on. Or maybe he wanted to move on from them after getting, uh, you know, jerked up and down the lineup.
0: For the record, for the record, this does not necessarily mean that he's not coming back. I mean, th- this happened with Joe Morrow a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, where they didn't offer Joe Morrow a qualifying offer and then they still signed him. So before we completely say that it's done, and we hear from the Winnipeg Jets on this and see what happens in the next couple mm-hmm. days, I'd caution people from the scorching um hellfire and brimstone tweets until you actually know what's happened I'll be honest I was surprised I just assumed that that would be automatic that you would qualify the guy keep his rights and see what happens um but again maybe part of it is the fact that the Jets realize we've heard so much talk about the bottom six um you know you know maybe they're making a significant push to you know identify different players for some of those roles in the bottom six Um, over the course of the next few days and didn't want that roster spot taken up. I mean, I'm really speculating. It'll be interesting to see what Hammer says about that. And, um, I mean, this will be a topic we'll sort of hit over the course of the next few days. Um, But that name did stand out. I mean, considering the fact that he was pretty serviceable at times last year, I thought we saw the law of diminishing returns in the second half of the season. Um, But again, I mean, we're not talking about a 3 or $4 million player. We're talking about a guy that was basically uh, around league minimum. I mean, he didn't even have an NHL deal throughout last summer. He signed with the Moose and then <laughs> ended up getting a contract once the season started. So um, I, I, I will I will admit, I, I'm surprised at that. And um, But as I said, I wouldn't completely slam the door on this until we sort of hear from the Winnipeg Jets and see what happens in the next couple of days. Yeah, we'll wait and see what
1: happens. But this was our conversation all last summer. We couldn't figure out why Steve Iserman, is one of the top GMs in the league, would let this guy who's a former first-round pick, 19th overall in 2015, why they would let him go. He signed here. Uh, 72 games. He had seven goals, 12 assists, 19 points. You know, really, I think he played on probably every line throughout You know, throughout the season, played with different line mates. We talked about how him, you know, all season. I don't know if you knew this, Huss, but him and PLD, uh, they played in junior together. <laughs> um, that came up pretty much uh, every week, I think. Well, I thought he was a productive player. Maybe they, you know, try to bring him back at min salary and don't want to deal with uh, all that qualifying offer stuff. But it seemed like it would be a um, minimal increase. But for a team up against the cap, uh, every dollar you're saving counts if they do bring him back. But I don't know. It seemed it just seemed like there was something about him they didn't like. Maybe it was the same thing same things that happened in, in Red Wings organization. Again, this is speculation from me. But you see, you know, how he was used on the team. Here, Rennie, Rennie, this was Rennie's tweet, I and I... Could have put it pretty nicely. He said, It's surprising. He showed himself to be a useful player up and down the lineup. That said, the way he was utilized suggested he was not a coaching staff favorite, which is a lot nicer than I had said it to myself when I saw the news. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it's a different coaching staff. But again, same, same management. So maybe there was something going on. I, I
0: don't know. I'm, uh, I'm not it, that. It's, it's, I think we do have to acknowledge that there could be things behind the scenes that, um, you know, may have impacted this decision. I'm not suggesting I have no I I know nothing. I'm not couching things like sometimes people say, oh, there's rumor. I have no idea. But when you have a player that was relatively productive, um, you know, making so little that all you have to do is qualify and then maintain the rights and you don't do that. I mean, maybe there is something, uh, something more to it. I'll say this. He seemed to be popular with t- his teammates. I mean, this wasn't a guy that didn't fit in and didn't, um, you know, that what wasn't a part of the team or anything like that. I mean, far from it from my, from my perspective. Um, but again, there could be more to this um, beyond. And as I said, much like the Joe Morrow situation a few years back, just because someone didn't get the qualifying offer does not necessarily mean that they're not in the plans. And, you know, the Jets could have had conversations with the agent already, or Svechnikov could be done and could be signing somewhere else in a couple days when unrestricted free agency gets going, much like uh, happened last year, although it took him a heck of a long time to find a find a deal.
1: Yeah, shout out to the chat. I see some comments here that are saying he should be extended solely for his mic'd up um, <laughs> videos. Uh, shout it to the Winnipeg Jets social media team. Uh, miking up Evgeny Svechnikov, some of the more entertaining videos of the year, uh, him, you know, talking to himself during the game, dancing, whatever he he was doing, it was, we did enjoy that. So that will definitely, those will definitely be missed.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, Svetch, I know a lot of people were huge, huge fans of his. He was a guy that, to be honest, sometimes drove me a little crazy because you know that there's the talent there there's the reason why he was the first round pick and at times you saw him really engaged and making a difference and then at other times it was uh, wasn't happening Um, now part of it might have been usage I mean he did play quite well up in the top six when he had a chance earlier in the season I think as I mentioned before we sort of saw limited results later on as things went and down and you know, at times he wasn't, along with a number of other individuals that were playing in the uh, in the bottom six, not particularly effective. But a big part of that was the amount of time that they were on the ice. I mean, I don't know how you can really expect any of the fourth liners in the Jets last year to be particularly effective when you're playing four to five minutes a night. And you're getting a shift or two a period. I mean, that's a tough, tough grind. Um, but listen, if they don't feel that he's in their plans going forward, they've got other guys that they've uh, either targeted in or feel that they're moving in. We'll see how it happens. But we all remember walking away potentially from uh, a guy that, and we talked about it all last year, he was, he was found money. I mean, he was one of the pleasant surprises of the season last year, especially in the first half. With the way that he sort of fit in the team, and you think like, how the heck did they get this guy for nothing? A former first round pick that had just been allowed to walk by Steve Eiserman of all people. I I will admit, like many people, I'm sort of thinking, okay, when's the other shoe gonna drop? Because this guy seems to be fun. He's a good teammate. He's playing well. Why the heck was he even available for nothing in the first place? Yeah, and um, that's
1: what we were saying. And I'm not sure what Iserman knew. He's usually not a guy who, you know makes a poor decisions as a GM, but I mean, it's not like he was, you know, top player, 19 points in 72 games. I mean, he was fine. And I guess they figured they can maybe find a player who's can give you the similar production for a similar price. It was more of a, their type of player.
0: Um, now there'll be some talk about Evgeny Svechnikov, which raised a few eyebrows. Um, this, what is going on in Chicago right now is absolutely ridiculous. Dylan Strom, not given a qualifying offer. And this is a guy I had brought him up. I think we were talking with Ken a few weeks ago, thinking that maybe he was a player that would have been available for the Winnipeg Jets in some sort of a trade. I didn't really think that a guy that was the third overall pick by the Coyotes in 2015 would be given away for nothing. He had 22 goals last year. He had 48 points in 69 games playing on a terrible Blackhawks team that's not worth qualifying I I mean to me even if even if he's not in your plans going forward how is there not a suitor or a, a trade now I guess he would have to be qualified at I believe 3.6 so maybe that was a little too much based on his production although I mean look at those numbers for a younger player at 48 points in 69 games I would say that 3.6 might be a bargain by those numbers, just points and assists. Obviously, there's much more in the game than just simple stat line. Um, but that that was, that was stunning. But it's not stunning when you consider the way they are tearing everything down. And really, right now, Remus, it's essentially Seth Jones, Patrick Kane, and Jonathan Taves, the last men standing in the Windy City.
1: Yeah, I'm really sad about what's going on here in Chicago. It doesn't seem right to me, a team so openly... Um, and Steve Juana uses hashtag bottom out for bedard or bottoming for bedard. Um, you know, you trade away Alex DeBrincat, who seemingly would be a young scorer you could build around. Uh, Dylan Storm, you don't give him a qualifying offer. You're buying out uh, today. They bought out Brett Connolly, who I actually forgot was in the league, and, and Henrik Borgstrom, defenseman. And the only players there are Seth Jones, who you gave up assets for last year and signed him to this mega contract. And Kane and Taves, who've been there since the Stanley Cup days. It just seems sad that Chicago isn't trying at all to win. I think it's insulting to the fans. It makes a joke of the league. And it, as far as Connor Bedard goes, what, you have a 20%, 25% chance of getting him? It just doesn't seem like an optimal thing. But, you know, if it works out, um, then sure, we'll call them geniuses. for. But it just seems seems wrong. Having said that, you have Arizona and Chicago not trying to win and the jets are in their division i mean that's two teams you should be finishing ahead of in the standings pretty much automatically so that's good but as far as you know competitive balance and trying to have a you know well run league seems seems dumb and seems insulting and it seems wrong and you see this in baseball where some owners don't even try to win uh, you know uh, they take that revenue sharing money put it in their pocket they're spending nothing on players I don't like it, and I'm not sure what the reaction here is of Chicago. I saw not positive. I think City of Chicago posted on the Blackhawks Instagram comments "L" after the DeBrincat trade.
0: <laughs> the so, like, city of Chicago. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> what, but
1: what happens? So what happens now with Kane and Taves? Like, if you're there, like, do you want to be there anymore? A team that's you've gone from three Stanley Cups, perennial contender, to not even trying to ice a competitive lineup. I mean, these guys have to be on the way out somehow. I can't see him sticking
0: around. Well, how do you move Jonathan Taves at $10.5 million right now? I mean, I I don't think that's happening. Like, what, what, what did he? He missed the entire 2021 season. He came back last year and played 71 games and scored 12 goals and had 37 points for $10.5 million. This is the last year of that deal. I mean, honestly, even at even if the Blackhawks retain 50% and at over $5 million is, I mean, listen, he would bring a lot of intangibles, but I kind of think that the aftermath of the entire Blackhawks scandal has sort of, you know, weighed on him as well. Um, there was a lot of guys, particularly, you know, the players that were there that didn't come out looking very good. I mean... This was more about management and a cover up amongst the organization, but some of those players were there, and I think that might have, you know, weighed on uh, weighed on him. Um, but he's had a bunch of issues now. Kane's a totally different story. I mean, Patrick Kane had ninety two points last season, so the guy can absolutely play. He would immediately make any power play in the National Hockey League fundamentally better, and a good power play potentially lethal and um he's got one uh, he's got one more year of the uh, of, you know at 10.5 now i know there was some interest from colorado last year and wouldn't he look i mean can you imagine adding patrick kane to that operation in, uh, in colorado but the salary cap is a real thing and I hate to say it for Kane's sake, but I have a feeling that it might be more likely that he actually has to play through the first 50, 55 games of the season to the trade deadline, at which point most of his salary would have been used up for the year. And at that point, you know, teams might actually be able to take on the salary for the remainder of the season in the playoffs. Um but I don't think there's any way that Patrick Kane plays game 82 of this upcoming season and finishes his contract as a Blackhawk. Um, but I certainly think that Jonathan Taves probably does just because the you know the, the demand for his services at this point and the price tag that comes with it are uh, going to make it for a, a very difficult deal for a Kyle Davidson to pull off. I'll
1: pull up their roster right here as of now on... Uh cap friendly. It's not not all you have Kane and Taves. Now those guys are keeping you over the the cap floor and then they signed Tyler Johnson was that last year? I mean this roster is so not NHL caliber if that is if I can say that. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. I don't even know what they're going to do in free agency to fill out this roster. What happens to the rest of these guys?
0: What about Seth Jones? Yeah. I I mean They traded for him last year and signed him to that extension that hasn't even kicked in yet. He's got eight years at nine and a half a season starting next year. I mean, if they're going to be losing for the next three seasons or four seasons, does it make sense to have him there? It's It really is stunning uh, what is going on right now. We'll have to get Mark Lazarus on at some point soon. He's got you know, some really interesting tweets, uh, about this. Um, oh, and by the way, another weird little bit of business from the, uh, from the Blackhawks, they, uh, Luke, they hired Luke Richardson last week as a head coach. Um, Derek King, who was their interim head coach last year today announced as an assistant coach with the club. So essentially imagine going through the coaching search, hiring Rick bonus, and then Day-Lowry being the assistant coach. That's basically what just happened in Chicago as well. You think he was invited to
1: apply for his job again? I, probably. And they for sure pro- he would have been. Seems Yeah, seems odd. So, I mean, congrats to him for you know getting getting another job. at. So, we'll see what happens. The Blackhawks. Seems rough shape.
0: Yeah, here's this tweet from Lazarus that I wanted to mention. Just kind of wrapping up. Because the Dylan Strom thing is, is what, I mean... Listen, they didn't get enough for Debrincat. That made no sense. But this was something else. Strom averaged nearly a point a game over the second half of the season as the number one center between Debrincat and Kane. His qualifying offer would have been $3.6 million. And then Lazarus goes, We have no idea what to do with the talented, productive player and well liked teammate. The Chicago Blackhawks stories. <laughs> And then he goes on to say, tanking is a scourge on pro sports and should not be rewarded. Not that they were the first to do it, but the Cubs winning the World Series to kick it into overdrive gave everyone else the cover to do the same. And we're going to talk a lot about Connor Bedard over this entire season. But I will say this, um, I mean, even if you are the worst team ever and finish last, I mean, you could easily be picking third or fourth in the draft. I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, the McDavid-Eichel year where Buffalo completely bottomed out, that was essentially worth it because you, by being the worst team in the league, you were guaranteed one or two. Um, they've since changed it twice. And um, now you've got like a 25% chance of getting the first pick and you can pick anywhere in the top four. If you've got four Bedards, sure, but there's one right now. And to run your franchise into the ground for multiple seasons, um, based on a pick, that's a heavy, heavy risk. And um, I'll say this, I, like many people around the hockey world, don't know if Chicago knows what it's doing. All I know is you can pencil in a W for most teams when they're going to Chicago or hosting the Blackhawks next season. I think that just means that the 9 p.m. game here in Winnipeg
1: against Chicago on a Saturday night uh, will be even more rowdy than you thought. That
0: was as we got the schedule last week. I believe that's who they were playing, BA, right? B.A. is in chat. Tanking is not a thing. Well, what exactly are, is this, B.A.? What, 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 How would you describe what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks right now? Because if that ain't tanking, then, then you're right. Tanking is not a thing. Because this is the blueprint of uh, how to make a team horrible and lose as many games as possible. Yeah, I mean, they're not trying to win. It's pretty...
1: Beyond obvious to everyone. So uh, whether or not it works out, we will see. I'm also, you know, we'll also see this week has a big free agent week coming up. So. Well, no uh, doubt. So are we, uh, are we out with Shane Malloy? Is this uh, not happening today? I'm trying to get in touch with them. So we'll see. Maybe we can do it later in the show.
0: Uh, We got Jeff coming up in about 10 minutes here. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Well, we'll hope to do that. And fingers crossed, we're working on a special guest for tomorrow. Someone that we would have been talking about with Shane Malloy, and that would be uh, Rucker McGrory. So uh, as soon as we have that confirmed, we'll let you know. Um, I am—I I have not been as excited to talk to a Jet prospect in a long time. I and mean, as we mentioned on Friday, the electric, the electricity that this kid um, was uh, emanating at the draft and afterwards, all over the Jets' social media. Uh, was really fun he uh I can't remember someone outside of Patrick line that seemingly connected with fans so quickly <laughs> than uh, Rucker Rigoty and I think most people probably weren't weren't even familiar with the name um before he was selected um on uh, on uh, last Thursday night but uh, both he and Brad Lambert will be here and actually one interesting bit I should get to this because I've had a few questions. Normally, at this point, this would be the Winnipeg Jets development camp, and there's plenty of de- uh, development camps happening around the league, but the um, but the Jets actually are not having one this year, and it's the first time in a number of years that they haven't. Um, shout out to my buddy, Kenny Weeb, who uh, was um, transcribing some of Kevin Sheveldayoff's quotes and fired this one over to me. This is what Chevy had to say about it. The development camp situation is a little bit different this year. We've got a couple players who are nursing injuries that wouldn't be able to get on the ice. But we also had the ability for some players to come in for the moose when we signed Nekanen and Torgerson, and they were able to come in. Just with the uncertainty of the summer world juniors, knowing whether some of these players would be part of it and have them fly over and fly back, we decided we weren't going to have a development camp in its formal terms. It's important for these players that we draft, They're not a part of the World Junior Program for development staff to go see them and watch them work out in their environment. That's probably the single biggest thing now that we're able to do things differently is getting to watch the players in their environment and make sure they're doing all the right things. So I think that sounds like Jimmy Roy and Mike Keane – um, we'll be putting on a few extra miles over the course of the summer, <laughs> probably much to their chagrin, uh, but going and, um, you know, traveling around and getting together with these kids, getting on their programs and working with them, uh, beforehand. So, uh, no development camp, um, but hopefully we'll still get Rucker McGurty on and talk to uh, the Winnipeg Jets. First of two first round selections, uh, from the draft Thursday night.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm getting development camp FOMO. I'm seeing the Blues have Chris Thorburn out at their development camp. The Red Wings are doing one. I heard saw Nick Cronwall on Twitter uh, talking to some players. The Sabines are at their camp with the Canucks. Is Thor is Thorbs working for the
0: Blues or is he I'm, um, I'm a not special sure. guest
1: coach? Could be a special. Here, I'll show you the picture they put out on Twitter. So I, you know, I saw that. I was like, all right. I guess it kind of makes sense. I mean, you have Perfetti and Lucius coming off injuries. You have a number of. I think uncertainty regarding the Russian prospects they drafted last year. Maybe they just thought they didn't have enough bodies to do a proper development camp. But here's, uh, here, but as I see the tweets come out today, I am getting I'm getting development camp FOMO that we don't have one. <laughs> and here's here's a Jets legend Chris Thorburn. Yes, Jets or Jets alumni, if you prefer. What um, a, what a beauty he was. Thorbs,
0: shout out GST forever. Yes. So that's what I, I mean.
1: Uh, I was like, he should be wearing a Jets jersey at Jets development camp. I think he, he lives in the area. Uh, you know, That was the team that he won the cup with at the end of his career. There's so no development camp, unfortunate. Um, that was a shoveled off the explanation, as you just read. Thank you, Ken, yeah, you for sending got it. us that.
0: Oh, you know what? Hey, I've got to give uh, some thanks to a couple sponsors here. We've gone way long at the start of it. Uh, by the way, uh, shout out to everyone that went by uh, our friends at Wallace and Wallace and picked up one of those um, free laser um, garage parking assists. We can tell you, um, and I guess it's great. It just goes to show how many people are checking out the program. But uh, they went fast. What? Um, so they—they're they, all gone. I wanted one of those. Well. <laughs> You snooze, you lose. I, I said it last week a number of times. Yeah. You were just dealing with them. They came and fixed your garage door. So um, that one's on you. What can I tell you? Yeah, um, that's awesome. But it was great to hear, though. And congratulations to everyone that picked it up. Of course, Wallace & Wallace are the fencing and overhead door specialist. And they are the leaders in boathouse doors. Many of you might have been on the lake on the weekend and caught it in the eye of a nice boathouse or door. Chances are it's probably one of theirs. Uh, they, they do it all steel, aluminum door, polycarbon or glass panels and a design that's perfect for your little piece of paradise. And if uh, you're thinking your boat host door could use some TLC, now the high water's receiving, you can give them a call to arrange for a service visit at 452-2700. Hit them up at Wallace Doors Or check out their showroom on Lawson Road, the leaders in fencing, overhead doors, and boathouse doors, our friends over at Wallace & Wallace. Hey, summer barbecue season is here. Invite a Health Fresh Market is an amazing spot to go, not to mention some really great healthy items for the barbecue, including bison burgers and lean bison steaks, chicken, and more. Uh, But amazing options for entertaining, including some of the best selection of non-alcoholic drinks in in the city uh, Vita Health Fresh Market stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. Pop down and see them at one of seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. Big cheers to the gang down at Aiken's Lake. Saw a number of big, big fish coming out of the lake no geez i'm counting down the days less than a month i'm going to get out there for a few days it should be great if you're thinking about a world-class fishing adventure right here in manitoba where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of winnipeg akins lake is the spot check it out online at akenslake.com. Or check out what's going on at Aiken's Lake on all their social channels at Aiken's Lake, and uh, a big—I'm pumped. I'm following in the footsteps of Michael Remus. I'm uh, heading down to F Apparel tomorrow wow. to uh, get fitted. I've sort of put it off for a little bit, but um, now it's time. Got to get ready for uh, the upcoming season. And, um, of course, where else would you go but F Apparel? Custom suits for men starting at just $400. The best selection in town. All the great new fabrics and options in for the summer. They've also got a great deal this summer. Three shirts for just $210. They've got accessories, golf pants, chinos, and more. Check them out. 190 Smith Street downtown. Online, fapparel.com. Um, all right, Reem, as I mentioned, you know, we were talking Jets draft picks, no development camp. Um, today, qualifying offers. But the next couple of days is going to be very interesting to see what happens um, regarding free agency. And we'll get into this a little bit more with Hammer coming up. But if you recall, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, it was sort of like today and tomorrow leading into free agency or was when the Jets made those deals last year. For Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt to shore up the blue line, knowing that they were going to have a tough time making it happen on free agency. And that to me is what's most intriguing for the Winnipeg Jets and Chevy going over the course of these next couple of days is the fact that the UFA defenseman market is not particularly strong. There are some teams that now have more cap space that they thought they'd had before, and we will see if a member of the Winnipeg Jet Blue Line or two potentially finds themselves in a new uh, locale um, 48, 72 hours from now via trade, not necessarily from free agency. Yeah,
1: we had heard the Brandon Dillon rumors last week, and there were a bunch of people in our YouTube comments saying, well, why would you trade Brandon? Dillon? That's the guy we need. I think he's also one of the guys who's more attractive to other teams. The Jets need to free up, we've talked about this for a while, they need to free up some roster spots for some of these young guys to come in. Vili Hainala and Dylan Sandberg have shown they're ready for NHL uh, for NHL action. And the Jets are logjam. They have all these veteran defensemen, Morrissey, Schmidt, Pionk, Dylan, uh, DeMello, and Logan Stanley as well. And look, they need some forward depth. So if you can shift some salary from your defense to your forwards, that would work. And at this time, I remember last year on our free agency show, we had... Um, Brendan Dillon on after the trade, and Nate Schmidt was doing his introductory Zoom call. So I do wonder if we will see some trading. Um, I don't, and as far as you know, activity, I'm not expecting the Jets, you know, to be on any of the big names, Johnny Gaudreau, Nazem Kadri. They just, I don't think they have the salary room. And I, us so be real, I mean, teams want to sign with the contenders. So, and the Jets usually make the Jets signings are usually. Like, you know, two o'clock, a couple hours after it passes, and it's like a depth, a depth player. The, one of the more significant, you know, free agency signings was Matthew Perot, but that was a while ago. So we'll wait and see. I think we maybe more likely to see a trade. Will we see a Dylan trade? I mean, as much as you don't want to see him go, you do need help in terms of depth scoring. So that would be the name to watch. I know Murat was putting that out there. Uh, we will wait and see, but I'm not expecting any big, big splashes here. From well, the jets. one
0: other, one other um, little tidbit um, regarding free agency and the Winnipeg jets from last season is Paul Stastny. Mm-hmm. And I know Elliot uh, Friedman, I'm not sure whether this was on Friday or over the course of the weekend, but it said that, you know, he's hearing that Paul Stastny is looking to sign with a contender. Now they didn't necessarily say that that excluded the Winnipeg jets, um, and I think for Paul at his age, um, you know, there'll be limited opportunities. I mean, there might be a team or two that has a um, you know, very limited amount of salary cap to spend, but might have a spot for him on the roster. Um, and there might be some other spots that might not be um, might not be as likely to win the Stanley Cup that have more money for him. Um, I still do think the Jets will take a swing at trying to get Paul Stasty back, but I think a lot of that is going to have to. Um, it'll it'll really rely. Reem, on what other top teams in the National Hockey League are knocking on the door for the services of a Paul Stastny? Because I think we saw last year he still has gas in the tank and can still be a uh, a very very important contributor on and off the ice for uh, for a good team. Paul Stastny had a great year last year here for the Jets. 71
1: games, 45 points, 21 goals, 24 assists. That was the highest goal total he scored since 2013-14. He's got ties to drafted by Colorado, played for University of Denver. Would he go there on like a minimum contract, you know, try to get a Stanley Cup? I think that would work. Was Paul Stasny going full scorched earth on his way out? Just saying, these guys don't care for each other. They don't have respect. And dropping the mic, see, ya, I'm not coming back. Or would they want to bring him back? I think a lot of fans, you know, love Paul Stasny, you know, his short time here as a Winnipeg Jet, uh, parts of three seasons.
0: Um, I, I, don't think most people I don't know. I do The organization appreciated what he had to say because it had to be said. And he was the guy that could say it. I mean, yeah. it just sort of brought it out in the open. I mean, there's no point beating around the bush and covering up things anymore. Look, it was, I mean, there was a lot of problems with that hockey club last year. And I mean, it, we would have known it even if Paul Stasty hadn't said that what he'd said, but when someone as respected, a veteran as Paul Stasny drops the bombs that he did um i think it was pretty clear to everyone even ones that maybe had their head in the sand that some significant changes were made the I- irony of the entire thing is that we're here right now and not a lot of changes have been made other than Rick Donis is being the new head coach i mean and hey it'll be good for us because i think we do realize that you know while free agency might not be, well, listen, it's never going to be prime time for the Winnipeg Jets. You just laid it out. I mean, both from a money standpoint, a market standpoint, I mean, it's still, this team is winning championships and everyone wants to play there for a chance to get a ring. Um, You know, the Jets aren't going to be high on many players lists when it comes to, you know, free agency. Um, but at the same p- point, there's so many other things that are tied into it with, of course, things like trades, like we saw last year with Dylan and Schmidt. So, We'll touch on these topics with Hammer coming up, and then later on in the show, we'll sort of tee up some of the top free agents available for Wednesday's festivities here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, before we bring Hammer in, I do want to thank our friends at Culligan Water, the water experts in Winnipeg family-owned for over 65 years in business. Softers, filters, coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, and commercial industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or the office, Culligan's got you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drinkculligan.com. Man, I popped into Royal on the weekend. That's just the best store ever. Uh, But I did get a chance to see those new NHL draft hats that we showed on the, uh, the show last week. They are in whatever your favorite team is. They're available for you right now, so pop down and get them while supplies list. And, of course, when it comes to merchandise, NBA, NHL, NFL, CFL, Major League Baseball, Royals, the capital for that. And uh, they've also got tons of bikes in store right now, soccer, baseball, tennis, disc golf, and more. Make the most of summer. Pop down and see our friends at Royals Sports. And, of course, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are busy these days. They're the home of the $99 deep cycle battery. You won't find anyone in town to compete with that price and not to mention not only you're going to get the best price and best service from the guys and gals at Manitoba Battery, but they're going to deliver it to your door at no extra cost when you live inside the perimeter. And for you folks, a little outside the perimeter, they'll still bring it for you for a small additional fee. Forget the big box stores when it comes to batteries. Shop local, get a better price, and enjoy the convenience and service that Manitoba Battery has to offer. www.manitobabattery.com or go visit the team, the coolest JetBlue building in Winnipeg at 1026 Logan Avenue, open 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. And a quick Breezy Bend golf report while we uh, get to Jeff Hamilton. Xander Shoffley back-to-back wins. He wins the Scottish Open. The Open Championship gets going at St. Andrews. Tiger Woods is there. Uh, Cannot wait to talk about that over the next couple days. And I guess with Wednesday being free agency, we may have to get Feinberg on the show tomorrow to uh, to tee that up a little bit. Of course, uh, when we talk golf on the program... We do it for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. Uh, talk to Corey Johnson. we getting on the waiting list for next year. And find out more on everything that Breezy Bend has to offer as one of Winnipeg's top private clubs online at breezybend.ca. All right, let's get the hammer in here and get going. Jeff Hamilton joins us from the Winnipeg Free Press. What's going on, dude? How was the, uh, the weekend? Hey, listen, I do want to get to the Jets story. We were just kind of kicking around. the uh, Sveshnikov getting qualified, but... We'd be remiss if we didn't start off talking about the Bombers and that statement win on Saturday night in Vancouver. Um, You know, they had it had been a long time since they'd been an underdog. Uh, They were playing on a short week. Yeah, they traveled all across the country. They didn't have much time to practice. You never heard that once from the team. No excuses. And they went out and absolutely dominated. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people were worried about that game, but um, what a performance by the two-time champs, showing everyone that the road to the Grey Cup still goes through IG Field in Winnipeg.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you can count me in the group of people who, you know, I, I didn't think the Bombers were going to get pumped or anything. And, I, you know, obviously I know they're a quality team, but if you even look earlier in the season, uh, I thought that the, you know, Saskatchewan Rough Riders were going were gonna, to, you know, lay the boots to to Montreal, but they were on that short week. And pretty much from the immediate uh, kickoff, uh, they got their, you know, their asses handed to them. Um, and it was like that for the Bombers and BC game, but it was the team on the short week that did the ass kicking. And so, like, you know, right off, right away, off and Grant, I mean, it got to a point, I thought, you know, of all the things that were impressive for that game... I thought that, like, one of the mo- one of the funniest things was that BC stopped kicking to Grant. I mean, they just kind of put their hands up in the air and said, you know, our coverage unit isn't good enough. Let's quibble it. And then end up giving the Bombers, I think they end up with three points there before the end of the half, um, you know, to get things going. Or, if you know, I can't remember if it was a touch. Anyways, it was points on the board. Um, so it was just pure domination. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people are, are you know, woke up the next day and was like Nathan Rourke who and, you know, given especially what what Zach Caleros was able to do. I mean, Nathan Rourke is a great story. I mean, I think we can all get behind a Canadian quarterback having the start to the season, you know, that he's having. And on top of that, I mean, he's a humble guy too. I mean, he, you know, he ate it after the game and said, you know, I'm not good good enough for all the hype and to just kind of, you know, rest on my laurels. I need to, you know, I need to be better. So you have to like what you saw from him. But if you're a Bombers fan or even just a football fan, Fan, I think you gotta love what the what the Bombers were able to do. To BC, I mean, specifically Zach Claris. I mean, you know, what is he? Twenty-two and two now, in, in in games, twenty-two and one is the you know the stat that we use for meaning meaningful games because that game down the stretch last season against Calgary start, and I think they had the lead at halftime, it away, but um you know he was just terrific, and I think you know this is really. I'm not going to say this is what we've seen from Zach Claris week in and week out because it's not, but we've seen, you know, glimpses of that every week. And I'm not trying to pick on a guy like Matt Nichols or anything like that, but you know, this is a guy who's willing to extend plays with his legs. This is a guy who, you know, you pretty much have to tear him down before he throws the ball into the stands and, and out of trouble, he'll try to fit balls through small windows. And I think, you know, if you look at what, you know if you look at the big storyline leading into that game with Marcus Sales, you know, former bomber. And and to be clear, anyone that knows who Marcus Sales is might be the nicest guy in the world. Um, so it was interesting to, you know, see him be the one that fueled the fueled the, the trash talk. Um, but the thing about his comments were they weren't wrong. I mean that you know like he was he was the the bombers were squeezing by teams. Now you know complete testament to them on, on the, you know, how battle tested they are and and resilient they are for those, you know, for the first four games, you know, squeezing out victories and, you know, maybe games that they had lost momentum or, you know, even in that opening week shouldn't have won Um, all the credit to them. But, you know, I think this was a statement game. I think the players did take those comments about the, the, the offense being vanilla seriously and, you know, came in and, and made a statement game. And I, you know, I, that was the game of the week this past weekend. And I think we got an exciting matchup set here for Friday against the uh, the unbeaten Calgary Stampeders, too. Because right now, if we've learned anything through the first X amount of weeks here, five weeks, it's that the West is best again. So bring it yeah. on.
0: Yeah, it's almost comic uh, comedy right now comparing the, uh, the East and the West right now. Zach Caleros deserves all the accolades for the way that he played. He was brilliant. But I do want to point out, um, I really think that maybe the biggest part in the way the passing game flourished in the second, third, and fourth quarter was what the running game was able to do in the first quarter. I mean, they outrushed their total on Monday night in Toronto in the first quarter. Brady Oliveira was getting going. And the bottom line is the offensive line was moving the pile. Um, In your perspective, how important was that performance by the Bombers in the running game early on to set up the success that Zach was able to have with his receivers as the game continued?
2: I go as far as to say that establishing the running game was, you know, was if not the biggest piece of the puzzle, at least very close to, to their success. Because if you, if you look at how they were running the ball, you know, they were caught, whether it was, you know, Greg McCray, which I think only had one, but he had an outburst for 22 yards. Um, you know, he was also making some catches out of as a receiver, you you know, you of course you had Johnny Augustine get a get a a bigger load. I know there's a lot of fans out there that want to see him, uh, you know, get a get a heavier workload. And we saw that, you know, Brady Oliveira was also solid in what he was able to do. But most importantly, you know, the runs weren't going for two, three yards, they were going for five, six, seven yards, setting the bombers up, uh, you know, in, in into second and short, and as you'll you know, as we've heard over and over, whether it be head coaches or offensive coordinators, those extra two or three yards make a massive difference when it comes to you know using the playbook. When you when you when you're facing a second and third, second and four, rather than a second and six, second and seven. You you just have a larger piece of the playbook that you can work with. And and we saw the 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 bombers do just that. I mean, they were exercising big plays, you know, to to move the chains on those second and shorts. They were getting those yards and, you know, they were just really making the BC Lions defense, which all you know, which we can say. I mean, even in that game to a certain degree, obviously they put up a lot of points. That's a pretty good defense, you know, and we they were a pretty good defense through the you know, through the first first four, you know, three games of the season for them. So that's not an easy, an easy out and, and, and a good secondary. So to see, you know, players like Zach Claros extend plays with his legs, you know, see guys like Dalton shown, who's turning into, you know, I don't want to get you know, too high on him too early here, but he's certainly shown a level of consistency and an ability to adjust to, to the, to the game up here in Canada that you know he 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 might just be one of those big big piece weapons uh, if he isn't already. I mean you've seen Greg Ellingson; he's been as consistent as can be. I mean this you got to remember, right? They're doing this without Nick Dembski, who's arguably their most versatile piece on offense. And um, yeah, establishing that run game was massive. And then it was essentially the most complementary football we've seen from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And when we've seen the Bombers play complementary football, we see what we saw in 2021, and that was pretty much you know walking through the walking through the the league. Uh, you know fairly well fairly easily and 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 while things haven't gone as easy so far this season there's always going to be growing pains for teams early on and if you're a Bombers fan I mean what we saw from the Bombers this weekend and what we've seen from them all year the resiliency and and their ability to adjust to you know losing players over the Mm -hmm. we were right in last week was the missing piece he was the you know he was that energy that boost that was missing from the huddle while you know fast for, forward a, a few days later in one practice and a walkthrough and we're seeing you know a bunch of guys shining so you know all, all things considered with the Bombers right now I mean they're the favorites they're, they're the top of the power rankings they're the they're the back-to-back champs and it's hard to not look at them as a favorite um, even though we're only looking at five games through as a as the favorite for a three-peat.
0: I'll say it just focusing on the running game a little bit more. I mean, certainly it all starts with the offensive line. I thought they came ready to go and really, I mean, set the tone. But individually, I thought that was just a huge game for Brady Oliveira. I mean, you naturally know that he's feeling some of that pressure. I mean, he's filling the biggest shoes that ever were in the backfield of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, many people have sort of anointed him as the next one. We know the story. Another local guy, another Oak Park product. And so far this season, it had been lacking a little bit. He'd had a tough time breaking tackles. The average wasn't there. And the bottom line was a lot of times he would get the football and then the Bombers were there in second and long. And that was sort of handling things. It was limiting what they were able to do in consistently moving the football. And it put more pressure on the defense. For him to have a game and a first quarter, just setting the tone that way, it wasn't like they won, won the game on the backs of it. But for him personally, I'd imagine behind the scenes, it's a big uh, a big stepping stone for him. Probably a little bit of a weight on his shoulders because I'd imagine he was really feeling the pressure, especially after the matchup against Toronto.
2: Yeah, it's a great point, Huss. I mean, he, the guy is 24 years old, you know what I mean? Like he's not, you know, he still has very much, you know, of his career ahead of him. Uh, you know, he, he's we've seen glimpses. Of him over the last, you know, season when when Andrew Harris went down and he was able to come in and and, and had really great showing. So I mean, you know, as a guy who was playing that backup come in relief role, uh, you know that that really suited him for where he was at in his career. I mean, it's a lot to ask out of a running back to you know hammer the rock twenty plus times a week, weekend and week out. Now, if you look at Brady Oliveira, I mean, he dropped fifteen pounds this off season to be able to withstand a grueling 18 game season to be able to play. So, you know, he's still adjusting to that weight. You'd mentioned the offensive line. I thought the offensive line uh, ha- had easily their best game. I mean, it was that vintage stuff where you had two or three O linemen carrying Brady or Johnny Augustine, you know, and then having the two other linemen come in late and, and hammer, hammer the pile for another, you know, one or two yards. And that's been the bread and butter of this offense uh, for years now. And so to see that happen, but for Brady specifically, you know, this is a guy who, you know, he's, you know, he plays it calm and cool. He, you know, he is a cool cat. He's got a great personality. He's a great kid. Um, But you know, he's feeling that pressure. I mean, he wants that pressure to be clear. I mean, this is a guy who was pretty outspoken last season about wanting that role. And I think he voiced that in the off season. Now I'm not saying, you know, I think if, you know, the big decision to make was between him and Andrew Harris. And I think if you sign Andrew Harris, you know, John, or, uh, you know, Brady's looking for another football home, not because he doesn't love playing with the Bombers. He just, you know, feels like he's in that position to to take over the starting role. And, you know, what we saw through the first couple of weeks, again, that O-line was has, has been banged up. They've lost some key guys, whether through, you know, the offseason and Drew Desjardins or, you know, um, just having to, to, to kind of fi- fix holes there. Obviously, Michael Couture's out. I think Chris Kolonkowski is doing a great job, uh, you know, being that center of that that line but it's going to take it, it was going to take time with that many moving pieces to get things going and i think a game like that whether it's the confidence for brady Oliveira, whether it's confidence for johnny augustine whether it's confidence for the o-line or the offense as a whole um you know that's a that's a really big step forward because you know as much as you you know you like to see zach Claro slinging the ball and 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 finding you know receivers wide open and uh, you know as we've seen over time that only happens uh when the o-line is is, is getting the, you know, not just the O-line, but the run game is going built off the O-line. So again, I think that was a massive boost of confidence for the entire offense. And we'll see what happens here with another stiff challenge against the Stampeders this Friday.
0: Yeah, one other note on this game. And I, in some ways, I think it's probably a great segue into what to look for and expect on Friday. Um, Certainly they'll want to continue growing that running game and uh, allowing a balanced offensive attack that I think gives Zach more to, you know, to lean on. But I'll say this. We know the cornerstones of this team back to back championship teams, Hardwick and Bryant up on the offensive line, Jefferson and Jeff Coat on the defensive line, Adam Big Hill, Zach Caleros. That, those half dozen guys all had A games. And when those guys are leading the way, um, this team has a pretty damn good chance of winning week in and week out.
2: Well, and that's why that course is still here, right? That's why consistency is a thing that's just, you know, celebrated. Through, you know, it's if with the teams that have it, they love it. With the teams that don't have it, they desire it. And so, you know, that's that comes with winning, right? It comes with winning, but it's more than just comes with winning. Because if you look at the Calgary, you know, Stampeders, they were a great team for a decade. You know, they were, you know, um, they didn't get the, as many great cups, I imagine, as they would have wanted over that stretch, but they were by far the best team in the league but they had, you know, they had to lean on their scouting a lot more. Now, I'm not saying Winnipeg hasn't had to lean on their scouting, but the Stampeders would lose a bunch of guys every year because, you know, people would chase money. The reality in Winnipeg is, you know, they're able to give guys, you know, raises, marginal in some cases, sometimes not raises to guys who could go out and test free agency, who could go out and try to establish, you know, what they have in Winnipeg in another city, but it's it's just how they're treated here in Winnipeg, how they're treated by, you know, the organization, how they're treated by head coach Mike O'Shea, how they're treated, you know, by one another and the accountability they have. Um, and the fact that, you know, it's cliche, but they're all pulling in one direction. Guys don't want to leave. And, you know, again, if you're a Barmers fan, I mean, that's that's a testament to not just all those things I mentioned. It's a testament to the fans. It's a testament to playing in front of rowdy fans. You know, they, they appreciate that through and through. And you just get the feeling that, you know, because of what they've been able to build, nobody wants to jump off this train. Nobody wants to go somewhere else when you know they know what they built here. Um, and I don't want to get to whatever, but Michael Shea doesn't have a contract for next season. So you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, let's, let's the good times are going to keep rolling, I think you're going to have to probably find that guy a place for uh, for next season. But until then, I mean, this is the place to be. It's proven the place to be for years, and and the results have been there. You know in, in back-to-back championships with a third. Well, just, you
0: mentioned way. O'Shea. I mean, I kind of touched on this because a couple of people had hit me up on Twitter and I've mentioned it before. I mean, with the back-to-back championships, Mike O'Shea had already, you know, pushed himself into the conversation amongst the all-time great bomber coaches. Hmm. I mean, if you make it three Pete, I mean, you were right there, you know, with Bud Grant, probably taking over from Cal Murphy. Um, the legacy of Mike O'Shea here, and I mean, God, I don't even want to go with what you just mentioned, the lack of a contract right now. I have no doubt that he'll be a priority and they get things done. But mm-hmm. I mean, he has been the leader. We know all the story about the the the, the stumbles at the beginning, the continued improvement. Um, and now he is running this ship that is the class of the league right now. And, um, you know, he has put himself very early in his career, relatively for coaches, into you know, some of the best of all time, certainly amongst the best Canadian coaches ever. And I mean, that's another story that, you know, he's so quiet for the most part, all business, does never talk about himself. Um, But I think other people should be talking about Mike O'Shea and the job that he's done in creating. Um, What is on the verge of being a dynasty here in Winnipeg?
2: Yeah, the big D word. I mean, absolutely, and I mean, maybe there's... First of all, I think Mike O'Shea has a ton of respect across the league. I, I think you're right. Maybe he doesn't get talked about as much as he's maybe he's deserved to, but that doesn't mean there isn't other teams around the league that are all trying to copy and paste the Mike O'Shea model. Look, it's absolutely impossible, borderline impossible, to sell a rebuild in the CFL when there's nine teams. But I'm telling you right now, if you're going to convince a fan base on a rebuild to bring in a culture on how to do things – Mike is at the top of your list, so you know I look at teams like Montreal. I look. I'll I'll preface it by saying I think Mike is coming back here. I think he'd be crazy not to. I think the situation for him is is a good one here. He's he's a head coach. He's not a head coach and an offensive coordinator. He's not doesn't have other jobs. He's surrounded himself with talented people. Now I'm not saying he couldn't pick all that up and go somewhere, or that maybe some of his coordinators, like a guy like Buck Pierce, wouldn't be you know a candidate for a future head coaching job. But you know I just. And, and again, this is coming out of nowhere, but, you know, you have Danny Machocha who's going behind the, the, the sideline and replacing Kahari Jones. I mean, if you're, if you're Montreal or, or anybody for that matter, and you're looking to spice the, or change things up and, and give somebody or get somebody in there to do an overhaul of your roster in your locker room, there isn't a better candidate than Mike O'Shea. But, you know, as much as he's going to be, you know, coveted by other teams, as much as he's going to be courted, I'm sure, and he might even listen, uh, who knows? But I just don't see a gain to that point. I don't think it can. I think Wade Miller understands the importance of Mike O'Shea to this team. I think Mike, Mike O'Shea understands the importance to this team, and you know, all those things. It just might lead to some more other areas, um, and I'm, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. And and you know, this is also one of those things where obviously he's not a lame duck coach. You know, he's got an expiring contract, but that will all be handled in due time. And I'm sure it's something that's been been talked about and, and will continue to be talked about, but, um, you know, it would be a, a weird day to see Mike O'Shea anywhere else. Cause I mean, like you said, Haas, I mean, he's, if he's not already there, he's getting up there with, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest names in, in coaching history here in Winnipeg for sure.
0: Well, no doubt. And just one more bit on O'Shea. I mean, just the way that he handles, um, every week, every practice, every game, um, I mean, everyone and I were talking earlier, and we always used to make fun of how Maurice used to roll out, oh, the time zones, the schedule, and it was almost like it was a self-fulfilling prophecy at times about how hard done they were and all the things that were going forward. The Bombers would have had every reason in the book to point out the Monday game flying from Toronto to Vancouver. It was absolutely none of that. This was... Another game, a big matchup. Uh, if anything, they maybe listened to what some other people were saying about them and how they were underdogs and went out and showed everyone who's boss. But uh, um, it, it's such an interesting comparison to the way championship teams and teams that are used to winning consistently go about their business and handle it, even when they are put up in an adverse situation that might not be advantageous to their plight.
2: Well, and I think that you know that is a that is a testament to to not just Mike O'Shea but the leadership group on this team. I mean, this team, you know, I talked about Calgary before all those years for that decade that they were, you know, cream of the crop. I mean, they they would be shocked if they lost. They would win games when they weren't their best, you know, and and Winnipeg would play their their best and and still lose against the Stampeders. And now we're seeing those roles reverse. And I think you're seeing the power of a positive culture. You're seeing a the power of you know practicing those habits you know I mean, we might not love the sound bites we might not love the you know the secrecy in some ways but this is a team that is dialed in This is a team that is is pulling all in the same direction whether you're the starting quarterback or you're at the bottom of the practice roster with you know no chance of getting in these guys have completely bought into the culture, uh, the culture that has been set by by Mike O'Shea and has been, you know, you know, maintained by the leadership group, right? And that's why you hear guy, you know, Mike O'Shea say things like, I don't go into the room. This is a guy who would absolutely love to put the pads back on. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that if Mike O'Shea <laughs> could get back onto the field he would so for him to step aside and allow that that's just him understanding his players that's him understanding the cfl locker room and most importantly that's him understanding what needs to be in place to be a successful group and so that when you have situations where you're on a short week where you have situations where you only have one practice and a walkthrough to get ready for you know one of the more exciting teams in the league you know when you have a situation where you know, everyone else on the outside is talking about how difficult it's going to be and picking you to lose. You're not even listening to any of that. You don't need, you know, you're not even part of that. You're all you're focused on is, is what you're doing. And, and, uh, and, and what job you have to do? I mean, you look at the post game interviews afterwards. Nobody bit at the vanilla, you know, comment except for Willie, and Willie's just that guy. You know, he's not gonna—he's gonna be one of the few guys that isn't gonna let that one go. And but he does it in a respectful way. The rest of the guys, you know, if you whether it was TSN interviewing them or the, or the local guys scrumming, I watched afterwards. They didn't want to touch it. They were just. You know, this was business to them and they're not gonna think about it as they, you know, they're not gonna think about the victory much longer as they get ready for this game here this week. So again, that's just constant, you know, hammering the message, constantly, you know, hammering the the goal of going one and zero every week. It, and it's just again, it's it, it may not be, you know, the sexy sound bites, but that's just what this team is. They hold their composure. There's you know, there's this, you know, you look at around the league, and I'll even go off a little bit more. You look around the league. What happened in Toronto with Brandon Banks on the sideline would never happen in Winnipeg. Like, it just wouldn't happen. It just, that's just not like, you know, or that guy would be gone. Like, the, Mike, Mike O'Shea, I couldn't even, I just couldn't even fathom it. I think Mike O'Shea would, would, would grab that guy. I don't even know what Mike O'Shea would do, honestly. it just, I don't think it would ever happen. And then you look at, you know, other instances like the Marino hit. Like, I, I'm not saying guys can't do cheap hits or whatever, but there's a certain respect and understanding, not just for, the man beside you in the locker room, but for the game of football. And that's instilled in every single one of the members of the Winnipeg blue bombers.
0: You no, know, it's great stuff. Jeff Hamilton, the Winnipeg free Press, is with us at hammer hang tight. Cause I do want to get to some jet stuff with you. By the way, folks, we're closing in on 7,700 subs. If you haven't already subbed to the YouTube channel, please do us a favor completely free. Just hit the red subscribe button. And, uh, See if we can get up to 200 likes. We're already over 153. Lots of fun challenges in the chat right now. So we'll see whether you guys can make that happen. Um, uh, Just before we do get to that, speaking of the Bombers, Friday is the game. Friday night, weather's going to be great. Get your tickets, show up for the game. And when you do, make sure you show up early for the Princess Auto Tailgate Party. Cheap beers, hot dogs, pop. DJ Finesse spinning, some great prizes to be given away by the Princess Auto staff as well. Um, definitely the place to be before Blue Bomber home games just outside the stadium in the Princess Auto tailgate zone. And of course, Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And I have a feeling, I joked about Remo popping by for some vanilla soft serve, but, um, you know, in celebrating the vanilla win on Saturday, you know where you can get the best soft serve and ice cream around. That, of course, is at Nick and Nikki DQ. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Niverville, along with DQ Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's here in Winnipeg. Grab one of those great blizzard flavors or maybe shout out to the bombers and just take it old school with a big vanilla cone. Um, Hit them up on Instagram as well at DQ Manitoba if you do want to order an ice cream cake for an upcoming party or event. Um, man, I did see the gang at Not Auto Corp. Big car show out at the Assiniboia uh, Downs on the weekend looked really cool. Uh, they, of course, are rolling this summer. So many Manitobans getting into new vehicles at amazing prices with the help of the Knot team. Why not get into the car of your dreams at the best price around by dealing with Not Waverly and McGilvery. Of course, online at not.ca. Pop down and see all the amazing vehicles on the lot, as well as the big uh, selection of Tesla and electric vehicles. And, uh, of course, we do have a big game coming up on Friday. um, But whenever you're thinking about getting together with the gang to watch the game, no better place to do that than Boston Pizza. Take advantage of their happy Hour specials from sitting 3 to 6 and 9 to 12 each and every night. And the delicious new summer menu including carnitas, tacos, pizzas, and pizza flights are back as well. You can also check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Hammer, let's get to the Jets. Um, before we even talk about the draft or free agency, the big news today was the qualifying offers. And um, I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not the biggest of Evgeny, Evgeny Svechnikov stan, um, but I thought he was a serviceable player. And I was really surprised to see that they he did not get a qualifying offer amongst all the players that did. Um, what was your reaction to that? And that uh, doesn't make
2: sense. Who does it make sense? I mean, it may look. I, I, I like Evgeny Svechnikov. I thought he played well in in the roles he was handed to last season. I thought he did a formidable job for a guy who you know, ultimately started with the match of a moose and a PTO uh, with the understanding that he was going to sign. I mean, a lot of us, you know, Kenny Weeb was the, was the big fetch guy heading into end of the season, but we all kind of understood he would make it. Um, but, you know, it's just a weird year for him. So to have a weird ending like this doesn't really feel all that weird. Um, that's the, that's the word of the day. Weird. Uh, so, you know, but I think it's, it's an, int- he had an interesting season. Look, like, I, it, it is a little odd because, you know, I've seen some people talk about how, you know, maybe he was frustrated with his with his playing time and that, you know, maybe his attitude seeped into the group and maybe you don't want that negativity in the locker room. I don't see that the case at all. I think there's a lot of people that were unhappy with their usage last season or with their ice time. And I think that a guy like uh, Evgeny Sveshnikov brought, you know, a bit of a, I don't want to say a lightness to the room, but he was well-liked. I mean, people had mentioned his, you know, his mic up. I mean, I remember I remember Jet's staff coming up to me after, a few, you know, a few weeks there and being like, this guy is like the most light guy in the room. He's just, you know, he's a fun guy. He's a good guy to be around, all those things. I think what, you know, ultimately happened with him uh, was trust. Um, you know, I don't know. And, and I don't know why that trust would have been, you know, damaged whether it was not, you know, I, whether he had a shorter leash. I mean, clearly he had a shorter leash than a lot of other guys because it seemed like if he didn't have a great game, he was – know either bumped down to the third or fourth line and in some cases didn't make the lineup so you know it looked like he had a bit of a short leash I don't know what played into that uh, I don't think it was attitude it maybe was defensive responsibilities just a lot of things th- things can happen I, we were talking off off air Hus, and and maybe it's kind of something similar to Hainel, a guy who you know you'd argue should be in the lineup but but wasn't getting the trust of the for various reasons, either wasn't make um, that led to you know costly things. Again, I felt like Billy Hainel, unlike some of his some of his colleagues on that blue line, had a shorter leash than 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 most uh, to make mistakes. Uh, however, you know with with I, I I do think it's one of those things where he could be back. Uh, you know I don't I don't see a reason why. You know, he couldn't be re-signed. I, I know it's a bit of a ridiculous endeavor given, you know, his, his qualifying offer since he was making league minimum would not have, you know, paid him much much more than that. So it is a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. I mean, it might also be Evgeny Svetlakov's camp saying, look, I don't want to come back. And so maybe they have those conversations and he'd like to test, you know, become a UFA and, and test the waters else, elsewhere. So, um, or it could be as simple as, hey, this is the contract we want to have you at. Uh, it's different. It's maybe we want to, you know, if, and teams do this, the Jets aren't, you know, by themselves in this, in, in this in any way, is that, okay, we want to pay you league minimum again, right? We'd be happy to have you at the same dollar, dollar point. If you feel like you're deserving of more or warrant more, go test the, you know, go test the free agent waters, but know that our offer is there. Who knows if, if that's in play or not. But uh, certainly when you look at the list of guys that were qualified and and, and the two or three that weren't, um Getty a bit of an eyebrow raiser, but when you consider and take everything into consideration last season, that you know how he was used or, or wasn't used, um, you know, it's not all that surprising that there's a bit there might be a bit of a breakup here too.
0: Yeah, I mean listen, I could see him being a guy that drives the occasional coach crazy at some point. I mean, he did take some stupid penalties. And um, but the one thing I'll say is that you know, in his limited time up in the top six, he was productive um which is more that you can say for some other guys that got on that spot for limited limited minutes mm-hmm. um but the other thing is that you know playing in a third or often fourth line role there wasn't much there but I keep coming back to the fact that I mean that fourth line at times played four or five minutes a game Jeff so I I have a hard time really holding that against anyone um because of just how difficult that will be now If under Rick Bonus, this team is going to be going with guys in those roles playing nine or ten minutes a game, which certainly was the model in Dallas, um, Mm -hmm. maybe they feel like he's just not suited for that role. um, And it's a bit of a precursor maybe to a few more depth signings, if you will, specifically targeted to playing third and fourth line roles of the Winnipeg Jets coming up in a couple of days when free agency gets going.
2: And that could very well be the case and that would make sound sense to a certain degree. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I felt like, you know, in the limited time um, you know, if Gany was played well with uh, Dubois and Kyle Connor. Um, you know, I've always kind of like, I, I, I've always viewed the most, you know, a lot of the most successful teams in the, in the NHL don't, you know, don't aren't top heavy. They don't put their you know six best forwards per se on their top two lines and, and and front loaded. You know, we've we've seen in the past the Jets like to do that, and they don't like to play their fourth line. I think that changes obviously with Rick Bonus, as you alluded to, and you know needing the needing the fourth line to play a bigger role. Um, you know, and in, 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 you know in order for all things for the system to ru- to run smoothly. So I could definitely see that. I mean, the scouting report on Evgeny. Uh, Shachnikov could be that he isn't as great defensively or he doesn't pick up certain assignments. And then, and that goes again to my comments towards trust. And so it could be as easy as, you know, good player, but not a good player for, for what we're trying to do this season. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly wish him, wish him luck. I think he's a, he's a quality player, a quality guy from what I was able to see um, last season. And, you know, if he's not with the Jets next year, hopefully he has a, a good season somewhere else.
0: Now, uh, hammered. there was some speculation that some of the deals that maybe were going to get done on the draft floor on Friday didn't happen because none of the GMs had cell service <laughs> because of Rodgers. But uh, it was a little quieter, certainly for the Jets' perspective. Um, heading into Wednesday, all the defensemen that were on the roster are still there. Um, Blake Wheeler's still a Winnipeg Jet. Oh, what... What was your takeaway from a lack of movement at the draft? And um, do should we be expecting something to happen sooner, or are these trades that might take a lo- a while longer through the summer to get worked out and uh, and actually done?
2: You know, I'd be curious to see just what, if any, effect you know that that Rogers blackout had on making deals. I know the Jets had been had been talking with teams, you know, as every team does. Um, you know, I, you look at, you know, obviously Blake Wheeler was a guy that, you know, could have been, or was rumored to, to maybe be gone and o- over the, over the, you know, over the, over the draft. Um, but I mean, with free agency coming up here, you know, i we, you know, I look at a guy like Blake Wheeler, for instance, for instance, and you look at, you know, all the, you know, all the kind of the, the top end guys that people are going after, whether they be free agents or whether they just be rumored for trade. I also feel like Blake Wheeler will be a bit of a plan. Teams that, as we as we as we often see every every single year, if you know, a handful, you know, only one team can get a can get a player. So if you're if you're banking on a on a certain player and you go after him hard, I mean, there's only so much money you can you can kind of you know spread around. And so I think there's going to be teams out there that that don't get the guy that they want that could use a guy like Blake Wheeler. And then maybe those talks, you know, become become ramped up. Um, I you know, I think there was. I don't know if there was opportunity per se, but I, I know there were chats to move up in in the draft. I think the I think the Jets are happy with who they had at first pick. Um, I think they, you know, I think they thought you know Geeky would would fall to them or at least hoped. I think there was a couple other guys that had went earlier on that maybe they had on their draft board. Um, and I don't want to say like caught running around. I think that that you know, um, McGrody is a guy that that was high on the Jets list. You know, I I, uh, I tweeted out a list of names. I got, I kind of got crucified for it. Um, which had him on the list. Those were guys that I was told that the Jets were coveting. Um, and so, you know, he ends up getting plucked off that list. I mean, you obviously have Brad Lambert, who, who came later in that draft. Um, but as far as 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 far as the trades go, I mean, I, I don't know if it was supposed to be a I, – I think it was a pretty crazy day as far as trades. I just don't think the Jets were, you know, obviously big players in that. Uh, and I don't know if they necessarily were expected to be in, you know, in in, in – at the trade or sorry at the at the draft I think if the if the right you know we all know that Kevin Shevelday off doesn't like to get ripped off and hasn't really gotten ripped off in in trades uh so you know he's a bit of a hard negotiator so I you know i be you know as this case every year when teams don't make trades or don't make deals you always want to be that fly on the wall to see what conversations were budding and, and what names were being tossed out because you know at the end of the day GMs listen on every name now certainly there's some untouchables but there's still a lot of things that I think if you if you look at um, great Remo's gonna get me crucified again. Um, <laughs> but if, if you uh, if you know if you look at certain you know I think ev- not everyone's available again. There's untouchables, but I think you listen to teams and you listen to you know what the opportunities are and and those things happen fast because they you know teams are often talking to two three teams at a time um, and if you're not going to be quick to, to the draw to give away your you know your pick if, the, if teams want to move up or move down then they're going to move on to the next people so again I you know it's something I don't think we're ever going to find out but it'd be fascinating to know just you know what kind of calls cross the desk uh, before Bell or before Rogers screwed things up
0: well and speaking of deals that happen, I mean we spent some time on Friday talking about the DeBrinkat trade which I mean good on Pierre Dorian I mean I think he got a bona fide stud two-time 40 goal scorer for a first round or a second round or a third round, the chances of any of those players emerging to what Debrinkat will do for them, even if it's just two years, probably unlikely. And if things don't go well, they feel they need to trade him. I'm not sure they don't get more for him if they deal him at the deadline or next season. Um, but what's fascinating is that Dylan Strom, I mean, everyone's up in arms about Svechnikov <laughs> not getting a qualifying offer. He had 22 goals last night, was working as their number one center, playing with Debrinkat and Patrick Kane, and they didn't qualify him at $3.6 million. And I'll be honest, my biggest takeaway is there wasn't a taker for a draft pick, like a late-round pick that would have taken the rights to Dylan Stroman and qualified them themselves. That's a real head-scratcher for me, Jeff.
2: Yeah, you want to do a breakdown on something? Go break down what the Chicago Blackhawks did. I mean, I know, I know some fans don't like you know, the idea of tank city or, or, or whatever, but they're, you know, they're essentially trying to get down to the bottom of the barrel here and, and fast. I mean, I, I thought some of the deals were okay. um, You know, but I also think that you're right. I mean, if you look at what Strom was able to do last season playing with their best players um, you know, the fact that he was qualified at what? $3.6 million. It seems like if you're trying to, you know, be a, if you're trying to build, you know, your team, you know, cost effectively, it seemed like, you know, a guy like Strom would be a good guy to add to the puzzle. Now, you know, this would be pure speculation, but I mean, there's got to, there's obviously a reason for why they didn't. And, you know, whether that would be, you know, negotiations being stalled or having to pay him more or, or whatever it might, you know, might be. Um, maybe it's attitude, you know, maybe this is a guy you don't want around and maybe, and maybe it's not necessarily attitude, but practice habits. Maybe there's all these things that come into play that if you're really trying to, you know, if you're, if you choose who your leadership group is, um, and you're and, and he's not included, I think that, you know, you're certainly not getting rid of a guy who shows up every single day, or you at least don't think you're getting rid of a guy who shows up every single day ready to go, is you know, goes by example and is 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 pretty cost effective. So that's certainly a head scratcher, but you know, their loss is somebody else's gain and we'll be curious to see where he ends up next.
0: No doubt. I mean, coming out of the draft for the Jets, I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty fired up about the guys they picked in the first round. I mean, I didn't know a lot about McGrory, but, you know, watching some of the tape and maybe as impactful as just listening to him talk and seeing the energy, the energy that he brings to the team. I think that was probably a big reason, especially when you look at the type of team the Jets were last year, looking forward. I mean, every team would love to have a guy like that. And obviously if he can contribute and score it, high uh, level in the national hockey league I and mean, you've got a good one and then the risk on brad lambert i mean a guy that came in as the number three uh, overall selection was playing with men maybe a bit of a di- difficult situation for being somebody that young um the potential to hit a home run late in the first round certainly there with uh with lambert and um you know, we double day off. I mean, when was the last time you heard a general manager speak afterwards saying, "Yeah, it didn't go well for us"? <laughs> that just simply doesn't <laughs> happen. But uh, I do think that there's some some reason to be uh, pretty excited about the two young men that heard their name called in the first round by the Jets on the weekend.
2: Well, look, some people are going to look at this and say, "Okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure." But this guy, who you know, I had been talking with, um, longtime NHL consultant and and scout, uh, sent me that text. I tweeted it out that day about Rucker, uh, uh, McGrody, and and. Um, you know, look, the Jets might've got their guy, you know what I mean? They might've, you know, I think you can make that argument. This guy was high on him from the beginning. You know, he was just, he's like, this is who they like. This is the kind of tenacity they need. And and like I said, in my tweet, he said, you know, he's like, make it known, uh, that Rucker is a physical power forward that plays the same as Keith Kachuk that is better without the puck incredible shot and will absolutely be a pain to play against many scouts had him as their number one or two must have that can be the steal of the draft so if any of that is true or all of that is true it looks like the jets have a good player on on their hands and so you know we'll see what happens i know you know it's it's i'm not nearly as emotionally invested in these picks so i can you know certainly you know wait and see what the see what 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 comes of you know not just their first you know round picks but all of them um, but I know fans were, you know, a little bit shell-shocked. It felt a little like Mark Shifley back in 2011 where, you know, this guy was high up on some boards, but, you know, was in second round for for a couple other people's mock drafts, um, you know. And so I think this was an interesting – this was always going to be an interesting draft just given how – just given, you know, what, what happened previous years with COVID and the OHL having their season wiped out and, and guys stock dry, uh, either falling or rising depending on, you know, what how much hockey you were able to play in the last little while. And so that set everyone's kind of draft boards a little bit, you know, All over the place and in in comparison so I I just think with this guy here that's you know again if that's the scouting report on this guy that he's a big power forward you know he's nasty in front of the net he's good he's good away from the puck he's good with the puck he's got an incredible shot he's going to be a you know a pesky player to play against I think that's exactly the kind of player the Winnipeg Jets need um and haven't drafted uh I think most importantly for years
0: no, exactly. And, uh, you know, he has that Kachuk energy. I mean, uh, he certainly uh, gave up sort of a Matthew and Brady vibe when he was talking about, him. we're looking forward to having him coming up on the show soon as well here on Winnipeg sports talk. So people can look forward to that. Um, so here we are, 48 hours or so, less than, from uh, from free agency. How do you think the Jets tackle this? I mean, is there any obvious spots that they'll be looking for? Or is free agency more about, to your point, teams that don't get what they want on the open market opening up opportunities for Kevin Chevaldeoff to make some deals involving players that are under contract to the Jets right now?
2: Yeah, that's kind of my vibe heading to this one. It's less, I mean, in, you know, Winnipeg, it hasn't really, I mean, that's... I guess last summer was the summer of Chevy. That didn't really work out as as planned with, uh, you know, of course getting Nate Schmidt and and Brendan Dillon. Uh, I don't see a big splash unless they can get players back uh, for, for what they're, you know, but the big splash will be on who leaves, right? I mean, that's, that's the big thing here is to identify what Rick bonus needs out of a team to play that more defensive style. There's also, you know, needing to, um if you will, fix the culture that we've been talking about for years now, whether that's, you know, shipping out Blake Wheeler. Uh, There's been, you know, certainly some guys who have expressed like a Pierre-Luc Dubois that he wants to go to, you know, he wants to go to free agency in two years time. Now, if I'm the Winnipeg Jets, unless he's telling me, you know, unless he's doubling down on it and, and and you're very very clear i i think you're trying to take the opportunity that you have with you know Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois and and convince Pierre-Luc Dubois why he should stay here why he was so happy at times you know being a Winnipeg Jet so we'll we'll see what happens i think there's definitely potential we've heard the names whether it's Blake Wheeler whether it's Brendan Dillon who have been on you know potential trade blocks those are those are pieces you know, could be either shed to a certain point, or could or could bring back players depending on 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 what on what joins them. Um, so, we'll see what happens here. I think it's it, it's rounding out to be a very interesting one. We still need, a, you know, the Jets still need to you know hire the rest of their coaching staff. Uh, there's still lots of things to do and, and, you know, players to talk to. And Rick Bonus has his hands full. So we'll see what happens here. But it it should be, you know, if it's not a lot of players coming in or coming out, it should be an exciting week nonetheless.
0: Hey, hey, uh, before we go, I want to ask you about two players that are scheduled to hit unrestricted free agency, both in the top 10 of our uh, buddy Frank Saravelli's list. Andrew Kopp, Evander Kane. Um, what what con? What do you see happening with those individuals? What sort of money and term will be out there? And uh, are there is there any teams specifically with COP that you're hearing that he might be linked to if he doesn't stay in the Big Apple?
2: I don't have him linked to anybody. I'll be honest with you; I haven't really been doing my homework on Andrew COP. I mean, you know, I know you know we know he likes the U.S. We know that he you know there were times over the last season or two with COVID that you know he was very vocal about. You know, not wanting to play in Canada and how stressful it was to play in Canada, and that's to his own right. But here's the other thing: he also wanted to sign long term with the Winnipeg Jets. So, what would you know if under the right circumstances, under the right money? I mean, would can you really rule him out of Winnipeg as an option? I mean, I don't see why you why you should. I mean, I'm not suggesting that that he's you know he's definitely coming here, but they've shown him. You know, he's kind of has a weird. I don't want to call it a love-hate relationship because I don't want to put words in his mouth because I don't think he hates this organization. I think the organization respects him despite some of the moves they've made in the past, like, you know, ignoring him over last summer and and ultimately pushing him out the door saying, we're not going to sign you. And then obviously we know, you know, earlier in his career being that healthy scratch in the playoff game, and that stuck with him for a while. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't whatever. But in between all of that, I mean, the Jets are responding, you know, obviously Andrew Kopp is responsible for his own play and, and, and you know and, and his progression as an NHLer. But you don't get that you don't get that without the opportunity the Jets have given you. And the Jets made him, you know, a triple threat. They played him on the power play. They paid, played him on the penalty kill. They obviously played him even strength. He was that you you know utility. T- Piece that was very, very valuable. So if you're the Winnipeg Jets, or I'd argue anybody in the, in the National Hockey League, you want a guy like Andrew Kopp on your team. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what, you know, his feelings are about a reunion with Winnipeg. We'll see what, you know, if Winnipeg's interested in reaching back out to him and, and you know, giving him that that payday that he's probably lining up for. Uh, but I also look at last season and, you know, Andrew Kopp probably didn't have a lot of fun and then went to the Big Apple and had a ton of fun. So, you know, I I don't know if you know if his efforts are gonna try to get back with New York or go somewhere else, but uh certainly a guy I think would uh you know would, would benefit any team's pickup, but I don't have any, you know, lists of, of teams that you know he might be going to or or coveting him. But you know, the, the Jets gonna one. be
0: will the Jets be calling a Vanders agent on Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with a
2: <laughs> I'm gonna go with a hard no and I would go I would double down and say that uh Evander Kane's probably blocked Kevin Shevledyov's number or any 204 <laughs> number from coming through his phone so I don't even know if he'd get the calls. Um that would obviously be his agent's work. I doubt it. I mean, Evander Kane, you know, there's no denying he had a had a, you know, a great playoff run to us, you know, with, with the Edmonton Oilers and you know, did what he's done in the past where he's been on an expiring deal and, and you know, plays out of his skates. and, and It might be ins- one of the best
0: rehab stints in NHL history, if you really want to talk about it. Well, I it's mean- very much
2: like what we saw in San Jose, you know, when he went to San Jose and he lit it up in the playoffs and then signed a big deal. And then when he signed a big deal and got comfortable, he reverted back to his old tendencies where... You know, he just seems to get in trouble in the worst, you know, worst situations and, and then ultimately is despised by his teammates. What do you, know, is he a different human being? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't talk to him. He doesn't text me about what he's been up to, to, you know, to, to get better <laughs> in life. And so, I mean, I just, I think he's a guy that, you know I, he's a bit of a risk he certainly is now he's also a very unique player I mean and that's I don't know I, I just there's going to be teams out there that are not going to want to touch him with a 10-foot pole just based on you know the backlash and you know there's going to be a lot of teams that look at what he did over the last few months and, and want him on their team badly and are you know you only need one team that's willing to pay you top dollar because I you look at the reports coming out of Edmonton I think Edmonton needs to be smart I mean you know is did did Evander Kane become this solid hockey player because of his unique skill set, uh, or did he become a solid hockey player again because he played with some of the best players in the world on a, on a line? And so you know it's probably a bit of both. So you, you need to figure out you know what what you can afford. And I and I think if you're Evander Kane, you look at what you were able to do, in, you know in Edmonton, and and maybe take a little less. Uh, you know, on the market and, and hopefully sign another contract and clean up your act or go somewhere else for higher money and, and try to be, you know, try to just not get in trouble. I, it's just, it's a fascinating thing. I think Evander Kane is a, is a unique player on and off the ice. Uh, and with unique players comes unique challenges. And I think if you're an NHL team, you need to weigh out uh, what you want in your locker room and, and, and what you think Evander Kane could bring to your hockey team. A lot That's of the most people... diplomatic answer I can give
0: you. Yeah. Well, no, you're right. I mean, listen, there's a, there's a, there is a major risk in giving Evander Kane big money in big term. Um, shorter term, I think most teams would be willing to take the chance on it, To you know, based on what happened last year in Edmonton. Uh, but I mean, if he's looking at six plus million for five, six plus years, that's going to eliminate a lot of teams that, you know, will not want to get into a situation that the San Jose Sharks are still dealing with because we haven't had clarity on the, the, uh, termination of his contract last season. Um, just one thing on cop, and I know a lot of people are thinking that he's going back to the Rangers. Chris Drury does not want to ha- hamstring himself when we, when they get to, um, when they get to Wednesday, we've heard Nazem Kadri potentially a target. And if they go and get Kadri, um, you know, maybe there, the money isn't there to sign Andrew cop. It sounds like Ryan Strom's probably already going to market. Um, and one of the teams that I know Elliot and Merrick were talking about was the Nashville Predators. And the Predators, you know, got their guy. They maintained uh, Philip Forsberg, who signed an eight year extension to stay in Music City. Um, and they had said the Predators could very well be in on Cop, and I would suggest that a team like Nashville playing in the Central Division for so long against the Winnipeg Jets would be very aware of just how versatile a player Cop is, and then, of course, everyone saw what he was able to do on that great playoff run during his short time in New York.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I just echo the same things I said about Andrew Cop. I think there's a lot of teams, if not every team, that would, would use them, and I think the the, the beauty about having an Andrew Cop on your team is you know, he can contribute in a lot of different ways. So, you know, if, uh, you know, there's some players out there that, you know, you rely on their offense, you rely on their, you know, their offensive production. So if they're not scoring a point, two points a night, you know, you're not getting their value or you're getting, you know, you're not getting what you need from them. Whereas with Andrew Copp, he might not fill the net every night. You know, he has been known to score, so he certainly can chip in. Uh, he can be your defensive specialist. He can be your shutdown guy. He can be your, you know, your top penalty killer. He can contribute on the power play. So there's all these different ways that Andrew Kopp can, you know, can um, do good things for your team. And so that that's what makes him so, you know, that's what makes him so coveted by other teams is just, again, that versatility. But, um you know, I maybe there's some teams that just don't know Andrew Kopp as well, right? There's some teams that are getting to know him a bit better, and I uh, certainly with the National Pre- National Predators, having been you know having played against Andrew and in, in, in the Central Division, know exactly how difficult he is to play against, know exactly where he can play on the ice, uh, and so I wouldn't I'm not surprised at all that he's being linked there, and I'm sure you know he's going to be a guy, he's going to be a fascinating guy to see because I think he's going to have enough suitors to. You know where a team's gonna maybe overpay for him a little bit, um, and whether or not he's chasing the money or chasing situation, because we've we've seen. I mean, if you look at what Andrew Copp was able to do in Winnipeg. You know, I mean, and, and credit to him too. I shouldn't say that they, you know, the Jets just put him in success to do well, but they did and they gave him opportunity. And then you go over to New York and you play with a guy like, you know, Temi Panarin and, and you play well. I mean, that's a guy who can play with stars. That's a guy who can play on your, your bottom line. So I, I when I say bottom, I mean that third role, third line checking role, if that's what your team does. But uh, yeah, I mean, Andrew Cop, you know, all the credit to him came in as a guy who was always confident in his own skill set. You know, he was pissed off when he was that healthy scratch years ago on that playoff run because he he has that, you know, he has that confidence in him. Um, and you know you're going to get a great player. I think the only thing that maybe is a, a knock, if you will, to Andrew is as he's, he's suffered some injuries over, over the last few years and maybe something that you need to keep an eye on, uh, particularly concussion issues. But uh, he proved over the playoffs that he, you know, was more than sturdy and ready to go. And um, like I said, if it's not with the Winnipeg Jets, he's the kind of guy that I would, you know, that I hope does well wherever he ends up.
0: Hey, uh, Hammer, just before we go, I've got to ask you about uh, Eric Comrie. Um, He still doesn't have a deal. Is he going to be going to market? And, you know, considering the scarcity of goaltending right now, should the Jets be worried that they may have to go to a plan B for a backup behind Connor Hellebuck?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, you know, uh, certainly an area the team, I think, is and kind of overshadowed everything else that's been going on over the last little while. So, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things that Eric Comrie is extremely happy in Winnipeg. I think he, you know, I think he enjoys, he certainly enjoys Wade Flaherty. And so him coming back is is a key piece to maybe him re-signing at a, you know, at a nice, nice, you know, base NHL salary. Uh, He might also look for a better opportunity somewhere else, maybe a bit more money. Um, But I, you know, I think it would have to be, Somewhat significant uh, for him to to want to leave Winnipeg, and I'm assuming Winnipeg wants to you know would want to bring him back if they're under a very similar situation as last season, where they were up against the cap. If they have some room and they can you know bring in a better goaltender, or, you know a more proven, more experienced goaltender, you know I think that's something they should consider. But I thought Eric Comrie for the work that he did um, last season is a, is a you know a, a solid number two. Uh, prove that last year and i think he he should give be given the chance to continue to prove that this season let's see if uh let's see if a deal can get made here
0: hammer great stuff what's coming up uh this week for you you're back on bombers uh, i can't wait for this game on friday night i mean i was really hyped up for saturday and now i'm even more ready to get to the field on uh, on friday night uh, of course free agency uh, little bombers little jets and uh, all in the free press
2: yeah, bombers jets mixed in with a little bit of work behind the scenes that I do for other projects, but uh, going to be a busy week. I got four days off leading into today, um, so I'm back at it. Uh, feels good to be back and got a whole week's worth of stuff. And that is going to be a, a big game, you know. Bo Levi Mitchell is is becoming Bo Levi Mitchell again, and so that's a, you know I, I'm anticipating a, you know a solid a solid affair coming up here Friday as the bombers try to go to six zero. Thanks for the chat, pal. Always love having you on. Always a pleasure, my man. Shout out to the commenters as usual.
0: There it is. Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter. Give him a follow if you haven't already. And make sure to check out all of his coverage this week in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. We need to get Remus back in here. Um, Hey, do want to give a big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. A great weekend for everyone that went out to the Folk Fest. And I know a lot of people were loving the new Winnipeg Folk Fest or the Folk Fest Lager put together by Little Brown Jug. The Folk Fest might be over, but the beer is still available for you. Pick up it and all your Little Brown Jug favorites, at your favorite local beer store, or better yet, go on down to the brewery and taproom on William Avenue. Sample your favorites. Pick up everything you need. And of course, you can also order online with citywide delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. We will get to our Assiniboine Downs picks before we're finished up and very much looking forward to welcoming our winners from our pick six contest a couple weeks ago, tomorrow night to the Downs. Hope everyone comes hungry. That world-class prime rib buffet is going to be on the menu for all of our winners and their guests. And I think it's race number three. We will be heading down into the winner's circle for the Winnipeg Sports Talk featured race so really looking forward to that. And again, even if you're not, uh, even if you weren't one of our winners, um, if you're thinking about a great time to go out, do it on Tuesday. We'll look forward to seeing everyone out at Assiniboia Downs. We'll get to our picks in a minute. <clears throat> and of course, our cool bet picks as well. But I do want to thank our friends at Canadian Club. And uh, oh, just thinking about the CC and Gingers making me more excited for Friday night. I was at the game, uh, the, the last home game. And at the loge beside where I was sitting with her friends from Princess Auto, there was a crew absolutely crushing CC and Gingers throughout the program. Uh, and again, those Jim Beam Social Passes will get you a free one as well if you haven't tried it. Um, so this Friday... Canadian Club will be flowing. The CC and Gingers will be available. And of course, Canadian Club is the official spear and sponsor of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. CC and Gingers available at beer stores around the city. And uh, the LC is the place to go. Manitoba Liquor Marts for all your favorite Canadian Club products and the CC and Ginger. All right, let's quickly get these Cool Bet lines up today. I always like doing this on Monday in particular because we get a good idea of the, the lines early on in the week for the Canadian football league. And uh, here's the way things are looking right now. Thursday night football. It's the Elks at the Montreal Alouettes. Sounds like Taylor Cornelius is going to be starting for the, for the Elks. What a, what a situation they have there uh, in, uh, in green and gold uh, and the Alouettes with Danny Machocha making his first Start, I guess, as the head coach this season, taking over for the fired Gahari Jones. Alouette's a six and a half point home favorite. The Bombers have opened as four point favorites against the Calgary Stampeders in the Battle of Unbeatens. Bombers minus 200 on the money line and four point favorites in the game. The Saskatchewan Roughriders are three point favorites on the road against the Toronto Argonauts. That game, an afternoon game on Saturday. And uh, actually, we got a double header on Saturday in the afternoon. A little later on, Ottawa and Hamilton, the something's got to give game. Someone will win. Well, I guess there could be a tie. That would be quite funny. But Hamilton, four and a half point favorites at home against Ottawa. And I guess the big question, Remo, for the Ottawa Red Blacks is how they move forward without their top quarterback, Jeremiah Masoli, as we talked about earlier, was taken on a dirty hit at the hands of the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Good thing is he doesn't need surgery, but he's still going to be out 10 to 12 weeks, which uh, means that Ottawa is really going to be up against it without a win on the season.
1: Yeah, and remember Ottawa's season last year where they didn't have a quarterback. Caleb Evans is their backup. I figure he's going to be the starter. So I was ready to lay the points with Ottawa. Then I remembered that Masoli had that injury. And, uh, I mean, been rough go. I thought Ottawa was a lot better than the record indicated, but I think their last... You know they kind of been declining since those two games against the Bombers. Maybe I lean Hamilton there. Edmonton, I mean, they're terrible, when they have Cornelius at quarterback. Like, how many quarterbacks have they used this year? It's not going well for them. <laughs> the game of the week is the Calgary Winnipeg on Friday. Although Saskatchewan Toronto will be interesting. Saskatchewan, uh, you know, they're on a bit of a, a bit of a hot streak. I don't think Toronto has been that great, even though that what they won the division last year. Does anyone remember that? They pushed the Bombers to the limit. Yeah. And they <laughs> got the win against the Bombers too last year. So
0: it's the only yeah. team to legitimately beat Zach Caleros as a starting quarterback in the CFL with MBT. the Bombers. MBT. MBT,
1: he's got uh, the Bombers number. He always throws for a lot of yards uh, against the Bombers. So uh, I guess those two games. I, I like the Saturday doubleheader when it's Saturday um, evening and then the late Saturday game. I'm this with is, you on that. This is the afternoon Toronto game, and then Ottawa Hamilton. Then like Saturday night, like what do I do when there's no late CFL? It sucks.
0: Watch highlights, PVR it, and then watch it afterwards.
1: Sometimes there's a fight. There's fights on Saturday, so I I watch those. But I like the I like the Saturday evening tilt because baseball on Saturday um, it end. They always have afternoon games, so someone's got to take up take up the calendar there.
2: Hey
0: while we're on Kubet cool fire over to NHL because uh my guy Pat Gregoire just hit me up today mm-hmm. and uh, they've got some free agency wagers for you folks here are your options where will Evander Kane play game one of the 2022 2023 season Edmonton is even money Calgary and Anaheim and coyotes Coyotes what and the Washington Capitals all plus 550. Kraken and bu- Buffalo eight to one. As if Buffalo is going to be getting a Vander Kane back after the way he finished up there. Surprised the Jets aren't on that thing at about a million to one. Um, so you got a Vander Kane options. Johnny Gaudreau. where will Johnny play game one of the season? Calgary is still the favorite at plus one twenty-five. Jersey plus two fifty, Seattle plus two fifty, and the Philadelphia Flyers plus four fifty. I think Philly would love to get him, but with all the moves that Chuck Fletcher's made, I'm not sure they've got the money right now to do it and what that would mean as far as getting rid of players on the roster to be able to offer Johnny Hockey a 9 or $10 million contract, I think, remains to be seen. Uh, you've got odds on Evgeny Malkin. Pittsburgh, minus 135. Then the Ducks and the Kraken at plus 650. Rangers, Caps, and Stars at 8-1. to one. Um, Jesse puglia edmonton oilers minus 200 or any other team plus 125 that's interesting everyone's sort of been reporting that it seems likely that pre audrey will be traded so maybe there's some value there in the plus 125 other options john klingberg carolina hurricanes are the favorite there darcy kemper washington Capitals 161 there has been rumors that they've already been talking and you know he looks like he'll be going to washington so Take that for what it's worth. Leafs next up at plus 275. And then Jack Campbell and uh, Edmonton minus 169. That's moved significantly since it opened earlier on today. And I guess the other thing, you've also got odds on Claude Giroux and Nazem Kadri. And I'll tell you what, Remo, I am uh, very interested as to how the goaltending uh, carousel works out Uh, I don't hear a lot of excited Leaf fans with the reports that Matt Murray might be close to being traded from Ottawa to Toronto.
1: Yeah, and Big Guy asked, are the Jets listed anywhere on this odd board? And the answer is no. no. As far as the goalie carousel, I don't know why any team is looking to get Matt Murray. Maybe you look at his two Stanley Cups and think you can bring back that magic. But you look at his play the last couple of seasons, doesn't exactly scream Stanley Cup playoff starter. But I don't know what Toronto's doing. I think Kemper seems... Kemper and Campbell. Will one go to the Oilers, one go to the Leafs? Uh, I mean, will the Oilers finally fix their goaltending? Uh, so we've been talking about this for years. They signed Mike Smith to that two-year deal last year. Koskinen got the three-year deal a couple of years ago. as was Peter Charlie's parting gift. Um, so we'll see about the goalie carousel. Is there any other team? Husso went to Detroit. Georgie have signed with Colorado over the weekend. I don't know. I'm curious about those.
0: Yeah, well, that'll certainly be a focus for us on Wednesday, along with all of the players on the market. And obviously, we'll see what the Winnipeg Jets do, if anything, in free agency. Of course, all those numbers are up at CoolBet.com. Click on the NHL tab and then on free agency, and you'll see it all there. And if you've never bet at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. bucks. All right, Remo, let's get to our uh, horse racing picks Tomorrow, we'll be there live, chowing on some prime rib and being in the winner's circle for our WST race. But tonight, we've got some selections to make. Uh, I've got mine in here, so why don't I, uh, I I'll start this off. Race number two, I'm going with a 2-3 Quinella. The uh, horses being double-barreled elite and big, big energy. That's a good name. Big, big yeah, energy. I, I agree. Um, I'm good doing another five dollar Quinella in race number four. Uh, horses one and three uh, back in that action. And don't get smart. And then we're going over to race number six. And race number six, we're going to go four dollars on number one to win. That is pray for peace with Antonio Whitehall on the uh, on the ride. And then I'm going to go with a uh, one six eight triactor box. So pray for peace, Great Escape, and Brody's Streak. Those are my selections for uh, for tonight. Uh, let's start this off with some wins this week and get some momentum going into tomorrow. What do you got? Yeah, for us I need a winner. I haven't won. And Rob Noakes in chat is saying, "Watch out for this
1: pray for peace horse." Eighty thousand claim at Churchill. Uh so pray for
0: peace oh good that's the one that that's i said on. yeah he's, right on nox yes that's the sort of that's the reinforcement i need from the chat right now with these picks
1: he's saying this pray for peace is a big, a big deal horse uh that's what he's saying um let's go with my picks i haven't won for a while i need to get something going. slump
0: buster right here right before we go and make the big money
1: okay couple winners i have this horse to win uh royal commando love the name <laughs> $5 to win on Royal Commando. Uh that's race two. Race seven. I'm picking a horse three to win. YOLA. Cause YOLO, you know, has five dollars to win on YOLA. And then I got a ten dollar Quinella, race four. Uh finish first and second any order. Don't get smart and kick a little booty. Those are my picks.
0: Beautiful. You can use uh, HPIBet.com if you uh, want to wager on Assiniboia Downs and tracks around the world. And of course, if you're not able to get out for the live racing tonight, throw a curtain stretch up on the AS Downs YouTube channel and you can uh, watch it. And follow them on Twitter as well. There are a lot of people as as the signal continues to grow. There are a lot of sharp horse racing people that seem to be playing Assiniboia Downs and tweeting out their picks. I wish those tweets came in before we made our picks, but uh, it has been uh, it has been great to see. And Remo, tomorrow, thank you, Bombers. Got a big stack of twenties here, ready to go for uh, for tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's racing. I'm most oh. looking forward to for dinner, but uh, then hopefully hopefully we're saving the biggest wins of the year for live in person with our guests and the winners of the pick six contest.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. So we're going for the buffet, but we'll be there after for the horse racing and horse or race three. We will be in the winner's circle. Is that, that's the one. Yeah, exactly. Race? So
0: even if you pop out and you're not up in the dining room, um, pop on out, we'll head down there before and afterwards. So if you want to hook up with some of the gang, end of race three, we'll run down to the winner's circle. And uh, we'd love to see you all out there at a downs. And, I imagine there'll be a lot of talk about free agency, which of course is going to be coming up, and we'll fill you in tomorrow a little bit more on what our plans are for Wednesday. But I think there's a very good chance we'll be doing an extended show starting earlier with uh, everything getting underway at 11 a.m. So uh, likely a start in between 11 and noon. And uh, we'll take it at least till 3 o'clock, depending on what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I would imagine at some point we'll probably hear from Kevin Shevelday off as well. And we'll make sure we try and have that for you live as well here on TSN 1290. Well, great show today. We will look. I'm disappointed we didn't get Shane today. It might have been a little bit of a uh, uh, wires crossed there. But we will have him on at some point in the next few days to talk about all the selections that the Winnipeg Jets had and I don't want to promise this for sure but I think there's a chance that uh the Jets first of two first round selections Rucker McGrordy um will be joining us tomorrow hopefully but at some point this week on the show so looking forward to making that happen you do not want to miss that um right on Well, anyways, great show today awesome numbers folks don't forget if you haven't already Hit that red subscribe button it's completely free Uh, certainly it'll get our content into your youtube feed as soon as it's available and you might want to hit the uh turn your notifications on to make sure that if we do start early when we likely do on wednesday you'll know that we're live and can jump in and not miss any of winnipeg sports talk but as you know it's always there for you even if you can't join us on time on youtube and on the podcast it's there for you monday to fridays afternoons here on WST. Big thanks to Jeff Hamilton for hanging out and uh, everyone that stopped in today on the program. It was an awesome weekend. So much fun talking about that bomber win. Lots of intrigue heading into free agency for the Winnipeg Jets and much, much more. Have yourself a great night tonight. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 1pm on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Thanks for being with us. Oh my God! Shut it down!